0: Audio Conversation with Sherry Wilde, recorded August 25th, 2014. I had never heard of Sherry or any of her experiences until I heard an audio interview with her on um, the show that is run by Mel Fabregas called Veritas. And he usually only does two-hour shows, but he did a three-hour show with Sherry, and I listened to it. I was blown away i I don't think I listened to it ten times, but maybe close to ten times i I was really thunderstruck There was something about just the tone of her voice, just a sort of calm uh sh- sh- at peace she was at peace with her experiences. she talked about outright u f o contact experiences u f o abduction experiences, scary stuff, transcendent stuff, you know mystical stuff uh as well as the day to day grind that uh that this kind of thing uh can impact how her paradigm was shattered and how it had to be reconstructed. Uh she published a book called Forgotten Promise. Uh I got that book on uh as a as an ebook and I read it right away. Uh I I, I am pretty sure I read all of it. I do this thing sometimes where I jump around, and I don't read the book uh, from beginning to end. Uh, It's kind of a flaw in my makeup, but uh, so I feel like I read uh, most of the book, uh, and it's quite good. It is really, really compelling. The narrative is fascinating, and her story is both frightening as well as rewarding and enlightening. Uh, It's... uh, I'm cautious to say I'm cautious well I'll just say it the new age she has a very new age message a conclusion that I have heard a lot and it's a, it's a message I like I mean if I want that to be the message I want that to be the source of this whole UFO mystery if if that was the source that would be great uh the way she frames the whole thing very uh uplifting very uh spiritual very uh empowering um, so yes, so I would love that to be the way it is actually playing out. I actually don't know. She is a very strong voice um, for the for the role of the abductee or the role of the contactee. Um, this is somewhat of a long interview. It runs a little bit over two hours long, and um, and it, it it we barely touch the surface of her experiences. So what I would direct you to is uh, some other audio interviews. Uh, the one that Mel does on uh, Veritas is quite good. I would recommend that highly. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And also in the show notes, I'm posting a video. And that video is is a good introduction to, to her experiences. Um, as I said before, this, this audio interview runs a little bit over two hours long. Please enjoy. Hey Sherry, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. It means a lot to me
1: well thanks for having me Mike appreciate it, it's nice
0: to be here good, um, you and I spoke uh, just a little bit just a few minutes ago uh, and um, so we we'll, are I'm sure we're going to end up repeating some of the stuff we talked about in our short phone conversation but um, you've had a lifetime of contact experiences and for a good part of that you weren't truly conscious of them um, right. up until a certain point and um and what happened to to open to your? You, and what happened to open your eyes to this as as being a reality?
1: It is a strange thing that you can have so much action, so much activity, so much part of your life be hidden from you. It was amazing to me, but it was in 1987 when there was a UFO flap—a uh, flap being uh, a high degree of uh, sightings, UFO sightings in my community. And the Center for UFO Studies out of Chicago came up here to investigate, and that led them to me, or I was led to them. We we found each other, and um, I had had a missing time episode when I was 17 years old. So in 1987, I was 36 years old. I had a family and a business and a busy life, but I had started to become obsessed with something that had happened to me almost 20 years previous, which was a two-hour gap of missing time when I was on my way to my girlfriend's house. And I don't know why, well, I do know now why, but I didn't know then why all of a sudden I started to think about it. I became obsessed with it, and I had never during that 20 years thought anything of it, and suddenly in 1987, it became critically important for me to find out what had happened to me during that two hours of missing time. And so um, I ended up getting um, hypnotized, regressed by Stanley Mitchell. So the Center for UFO Studies came up to investigate what was happening in my neighborhood. And um, uh, that's how I connected with with Don Schmidt, who was the co-director at the time. And I wanted to meet him, not because I had an interest in UFOs, I was not interested in that at all, but I wanted to get the name of a good hypnotist. And so that's how we connected. And it took him uh, several months to convince me to allow them to be involved in my regression. When I understood what they were looking for was something called alien abductions, and I thought that was absolutely crazy. It was the craziest thing I had ever heard of, that, that they believed that a flying saucer would come down and land and some little green men would come out and and kidnap a human and take them aboard a ship that just that made me laugh you know I just giggled about that it just it never even occurred to me that that might be true it wasn't on my radar at all and so all I wanted was the name of a good hypnotist and I figured they they had had someone that was good and but Don would not give me the name and he wanted to be involved because based on the questions he had asked me what had happened to me that day when I was 17, he had a good inkling that it could be an abduction, and uh, so that's what it turned out to be, and I, he was right, I, I was, I'm was i glad that they were there, I, I needed support because it just it blew my world apart, it just blew it apart, I went, I went from being someone who, you know, I was one of those people who pointed and laughed at people who believed in that sort of thing, you know, so it was pretty hard for me to come to terms with.
0: And and so the uh, I have my own experience where I had a, an event a missing time event of two hours I would have been twelve mm-hmm. years old this would have been nineteen seventy four, and I was um, I, I became very very obsessed with it also mm-hmm. at a certain point and had to look into it um, I had I've attempted hypnosis a few times and have never really had any luck looking into these events I have I've had a very successful hypnosis experience didn't have anything to do with the UFO stuff, um, looking into other emotional issues. but uh, So I can very much sympathize with that mm-hmm. kind of obsession.
1: Mm-hmm. It, was, it was terrible. I was trying every night when I would fall asleep, I would relive the events of my car driving down the road and seeing those men standing, standing there by the side of the road and, and my car not, not, not continuing to move forward. And I was trying to, to get it started frantically because those men were standing there and uh, you know, and then I couldn't, I couldn't remember anything more until I walked into my girlfriend's house and it was exactly two hours later. I remembered all that very clearly but I couldn't get past it either. I knew if I could see the face of that man, I knew he had leaned on the hood of my car and looked through the windshield at me and he had said something to me and I knew that the secret was to remembering what had happened that day was in seeing his face and, and remembering what he said to me but I couldn't get past, I couldn't get past it. Every night I'd fall asleep reliving it, thinking that it would come in a dream or something, and it never did. And Stanley Mitchell, who they used, the Center for UFO Studies used to regress me, I, I feel very blessed. He, Because I have not had good luck either with other people trying to hypnotize me. And Stanley, um, he was the president of the National um, Hypnotist Society or whatever they call their association, and he was the one who developed Battlefield. Um, hypnosis, which is where they use hypnosis when there's no anesthesia available. So he was really good at what he did, but he had a heck of a time getting past my blocks. It took him a long time, but when he did, it was powerful. I've never, I've never had anything close to that since then. Where I was literally back there, reliving it, totally reliving it.
0: Now so, I, yeah, I um. I've never had the experience of re You know, I'm very cautious because I, I don't want to sort of front load what may or may not be hidden in my own experiences. But uh, what, um, what emerged in the hypnosis session?
1: Well, what came out was that I had been right. You know, driving down that road and and. I was. He, he started me from the point when I left my house and, and I just remembered everything and the car did roll to a stop and there were four men standing out by the road and one of them had stopped, had stepped into my lane of traffic and and the car, as it, when it quit running, it just died and it was a little VW Beetle and so the radio kept playing and uh, I, there was a Beach Boys song on and I, I reached over and turned that off And Oh, and oh quick I,
0: question, what what song?
1: Yeah. Um... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Um, it was it was not one of their most popular ones, but I, I was singing along to it. I had the window partway down. Oh, and
0: I just uh, the reason I ask is because there yeah. are details, these sort of synchronistic details that show up where there's often like a you know there might be a resonant uh, oh, a kind of really? irony or or foreshadowing in that kind oh. of thing. It happens, it happens That's one of the questions I ask folks: is like, what were you doing? Or saying or thinking leading up to your UFO event, oh, and oftentimes of I'll have people say, "You know what's funny? You know what I was thinking? I was thinking I want to see a UFO, or, yeah. or something to that effect." So there'll be yeah. there'll be some little premonition sometimes, not always. Wow. And I'm always looking for those kind of little playful clues.
1: Wow. Well, I know that I was in a really happy, upbeat mood. I, I do know that, I'm, and I remember that even consciously. I was in a very upbeat. It was like it's like it is now when I know I'm going to my guys, you know, I get very upbeat about it and positive and so I was feeling very um, good about about life and happy and uh, so I was rolling along and the car just literally rolled to a stop. There was a little bit of an incline and it went up that hill and it just came to a stop in front of him and he held up his hand and uh, looked at me through the windshield and he said, we've been waiting for you, Sherry, and he said my name and that just was freaky to me. I couldn't get a fix on his face. I tried looking at him, and my mind didn't didn't compute what I was seeing. So I looked away from him, and then I looked at the other guys. There's three other guys, and I saw they were holding wands, and they were waving them at the ground. I noticed that all four of them were wearing the same kind of a bluish-gray jumpsuit, tight-fitting one-piece suit of some sort, and I started to kind of get a better look at those guys, and it, then when I looked back at the guy looking through me at the to the windshield, and he was leaning on the hood of the car, looking at me, and he was telling me to look at him. He was saying my name. He was saying, "Sherry, look at me. Look at me." And I I took a quick glance and I saw that he wasn't human, and it, and I just I looked away and I put my I braced my arms across the front of the steering wheel and um, put my head down and, and I just. I was trembling just like a, a leaf in a windstorm. And he was yelling at me to look at him. And he said, you know, it's, it'll be better if you just look at me. And, um, meanwhile, these other guys came from the other side of the road and, and they reached in and I felt something brush against my, my forearm. And, um, this, I opened my eyes to see this kind of a, a grayish tan, like claw, you know, four fingers, very long, narrow fingers come, um, in and and circle its fingers around my wrist, and and they pulled me out of the car, and I once they did that, I then I was immediately calm, and I just stood there, and and then I had a nice little conversation with him, and and the guy looked familiar to me, and I was trying like heck to remember who, why did he look so familiar to me? But I just studied him, and I took it all in very calmly, and I was I was good about it. I think he joked. He said he made some kind of a joke about it. You know why do you why do you do this to yourself? And then he said, come on, we've got work to do, which is what he always says. And he turns and, and he's gone. And the other guys start walking. They escort me, start leading me across the road in front of my car. And I look across there and I see the, the ship, little scout ship sitting in the field over. It's quite a distance away, but I, it's, you know, probably about a football field away. And uh, so we start to walk across there. And of course, you know, these guys, they move really fast. Um, when they're in our dimension. And so I try to keep up with them walking and I can't. And so I just let them finally just, they just drag me across the plowed field and they take me to the ship. Uh, By the time we get there, Da, the guy that I know is the leader, the main guy, I call him Da, D-A. He doesn't, I don't think he has a name. That's just what I call him. And um, he's standing there by the ship waiting for us. And there's Someone else, and at first I think it's a it's a human, but as we get closer, it's not. It's a woman. Um, she's a hybrid, and I've since come to know her. Her name is Aurora, and she's always also there when I have these encounters. And she's she's been there a lot of the times, and um, she she's waiting for me. And as soon as I get there, she you know he tells me I have to go on the ship, and he, he said he uses the terminology you know the drill. So. And I did, so I um, went up the ramp into the ship with the woman, and uh, she took me off into a little side room, and she said, you have to get undressed, which I knew I did, but I didn't want to, because it was really cold. It's always very cold in the ships, and um, I was freezing, and I was shaking, because I was, I was nervous. I was scared, and um, I was cold, but uh, I I had to get on that exam table, and that's what I did. I got on the exam table. and. Um, the other guys came in and the the rest of them were all busy doing something. Aurora stands by the head of the table and she's just got her hands down on my, on my, the side of my head and she's just keeping me calm. And Da goes down, um, by the foot of the table and he's, um, doing different. He's walking around the table and as he's walking around doing things, he's taking, um, samples, skin, Scrapings, and um, he's just doing different things, procedures, and he's scanning and checking my body, and he's talking to me as he's doing it. He's telling me what he's doing, and reassuring me that it's not going to hurt, until he pulls down this big, great, big old syringe needle thing from overhead, and I see that thing, and and I get all, I get scared, and and start to get in a panic, and and he wants to know what's wrong, and I tell him, you know, what are you going to do with that? And he said, well, I'm going to, he, well, he already said, I'm going to harvest your eggs. And, and I said, what are you going to do? And he said, it won't hurt. And I said, but I don't want you, you can take take eggs from me. I said, you can't do that, you know, and he said, and he stopped and he put it down and he, he looked all concerned and he came up and he said, why are you so afraid? And I said, because I, I want to have children someday. And so he, he explained to me that, you know, there was no problem. I was going to have children, that this, you know, your body reproduces and all that and So he said, and then he, he came up and he, Aurora stepped aside and he put his hands on each side of my head and it calmed me instantly. And so he went down and he finished his procedure. When he went to do that, um, the other guys who had been scurrying around doing stuff, I didn't know, I don't know what they were doing. They were just seemed to be busy doing stuff and I didn't pay much attention to them. They, um, when he went, he pulled that syringe down. They stopped what they were doing, and they went back into the hallway, and they stood looking at a monitor or through a window of some sort. It was like a television screen is what it looked like to me, but it could have been a window. Um, And they stood there. The three of them stood there looking at that when he did this procedure. And I saw the fluid go up through this... um, It was like a plastic hose, and it went up through and and disappeared and went back somewhere. And the whole ship... but he got quiet and, and everything was hushed for a few minutes and Da turned around and he looked at a screen, which I now know is a computer screen, but then I thought it was like a television and he looked at it and he did some, some stuff on a, like a, almost like a, it's like a keypad and, and he, it took a few seconds and then he turned around and he looked at me and he, I could see, you know, he was just glowing and he said, it is good. And there was like a big celebration. Except that there, nobody said anything, but the way it felt like was like those little guys back there that don't make any sounds at all. They just kind of were like high-fiving each other. You could feel the energy in the whole place had shifted. They were very excited and happy. So whatever they did was turned out to be positive. So um, that experience is all detailed in the book. Um, and... Um, you know, we have we have the conversation afterwards that we always do. I get to get dressed and then I sit on the table and he always asks if he can ask me some questions. This is pretty much, you know, pretty routine. you know, by now I'm I'm starting to remember that this is something that I've had, you know, many times before. And so he the first question he asked me is, Sherry, are you happy? And I say, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm doing okay. And he wants to know what I think of the war and how am I doing with, you know, life on the planet and stuff. And that's when I kick into my, into my whole thing. And um, I, first thing I do is I ask him if I can, if I can go for a ride in the ship can I go up, because I like to go up into outer space in the ship. And he seemed very pleased that I asked that and he kind of smiled and he said, so you remember, you said, so you remember finally? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, and "He said no. We've already spent too much time here. You know, you can't. There's no time for a, a ride. But he said you'll be seeing us real soon, and we'll we'll take we'll take you on one of the bigger ships. We'll take you out. And I said, okay. And um, and that's when I started to do what I remember that I do almost every time I'm with them, which is I I put on a campaign to stay with them. And when I was in hypnosis down in Stanley Mitchell's office and the investigators were there from KUFOS. I was surprised when this came up I was very surprised I didn't think this fit in I mean I was the victim as far as I was concerned and um, these aliens were taking me against my will so why was I asking to go for another ride why was I seeing um, all this emotion why did I campaign to stay with them because my question was you know can I go with you can I stay with you you know, does God ever make a mistake because I think God made a mistake when he put me here and I don't belong here um, the humans on this planet are very you know, I said they were barbaric <laughs> and that's the word I use. and I said they kill each other and um, they make up reasons to have wars and I said I don't think I belong here and he just looked really sad and he said, you know, that you, you know, that's, that's not possible this is where your home is for now and this is where you need to be and then i'd say well do you know that they they hunt animals and they kill them just for sport you know i'd, I'd go through that whole thing trying to convince him that it was not a good place for me to live <laughs> and that i really should go with them but um he would i say no you you need you need to stay here and then um he said you've been already too long with us it's it's almost 2 hours and you know it's too long and uh, he gave me something to drink to help me um, with the effects of the interdimensional effects of what it would have, what the what the vibration would be, the effects on my body. And so I drank this stuff he gave me and then he said it was time for me to leave and then he explained to me how I would forget everything and you know, like always, I would forget. And I said, you know, I'm tired of that, I, just, I don't want to have my memory wiped clean. And he said, I'm sorry, but it has to be that way. And we've explained that to you before, you know, you can't live a normal life if you have the memories of being with us and so we're going to, you know, the memory will be wiped clean. And I said, not this time. I'm not going to forget. Not this time. And uh, he just laughed at me and he escorted me back to my car and they put me in the car and I just, I told him, I reached, rolled down my window and I reached out my hand to him and I said, I'm not going to forget this time, this time I'm not going to forget. And he just laughed and he said, you will, you will. And as soon as I turned and drove away, you know, my memory just started to collapse, and it just, it did, it just melted. By the time I got to my girlfriend's house, there was very little left, and as time went on, there was even less. So, that's how it went, and that's what came out under hypnosis.
0: Now, here, now uh, according to a lot of folks, uh, the hypnotherapy, the use of hypnotherapy uh, with abductees is very questionable, and, they, you know, uh, planting right. false memories and things like that. How much do you trust this memory and that and that story that just that you just told just now?
1: Uh, I, I trust it. I would say that I trust 99.5% of it. Um, Stanley Mitchell, um, you know, the book has been, been optioned and it's being made into a movie. And amazingly enough, um, the producers they wanted to know if I could get my hands on any, the tape that was made that day or anything to do with the regression session, and I said, oh, that stuff is all long gone, and even if we find it, it won't be, you know, anything we could listen to wouldn't be audible." But we did. I mean, that's the way, <laughs> that's the way, this stuff works, you know. And we man- it, it turned up. Uh, oh, so you got was- to
0: hear, you got to hear your own voice from almost 30 years ago.
1: I didn't. Um, I haven't bothered to listen to it. The producer listened to it. Um, he's had it um, worked on, and he said it is pretty hard to hear. But we also have a psychologist who was there at the at the regression who took who was studying abductions, and he took notes. So we have those, and I read through those. Um, it was all very validating, um, and um, I guess that what I would say is that Stanley Mitchell never once did less. He never once asked me any leading question. He just, all he would ask continually almost was, um, what's happening now? What's happening now? What's happening? Because I've been regressed since then by others and there's way more leading that goes on in those regressions when they're trying to break through the barriers. They're trying to suggest something or are you doing this or are you doing that? He never did anything. All he would do is say, You know what's happening now what's happening now and once in a while you know he wanted to get a feel a fit on on where was I as far as on the road you know what what intersection was closest to me and I said well, I don't know I don't know what that there's a road up there but I don't know the name of it and he said well take go you know take a look at sign and so I did under hypnosis I looked at you know and I read the name of the road which was really interesting to me to do that and then another time he had me look at the clock to see what time it was and that was fascinating to me that I was able to do that. But I've since underst- I since understand why you're able to do that when you're under hypnosis. You're, you're literally, time doesn't really exist. My guys taught me that. And, and hypnosis for me proves it. I was back there reliving that. It was absolutely as clear as a bell. When I went into the ship, you know, I started to shake with, with the, the cold and the fear. You know, and when I was uh, in the car and they were yelling at me to to look at them, I you know I was shaking with fear. There, under hypnosis, I was I was reliving all of it. My body was having the same experience as if I was there. There were no leading questions. I just I trust in the memory totally.
0: Oh, that's good to hear. I mean, that's good to hear because that's my sense also is that the majority of of I'm sure there are some examples where hypnosis has been done poorly and and poor information mm-hmm. has come out, but um, that's my sense is that it's it's a it's it's a tool that can be used in this kind of research and and I'm less concerned about the research like people trying to write a book and trying to you know come to a conclusion about u f o stuff and I'm much more concerned about uh like the individuals like the the therapy for the for the first person the therapy for the right. experiencer that's where uh you know I find that you know this this has a possible benefit uh,
1: yeah i I think that it does i think it has to be done right, and I was extremely skeptic of it. Um, Initially, I didn't know a lot about hypnosis, but I couldn't get through that memory myself, so I thought that was the only option available to me. And then later, when I started to, when they were done investigating me, and they said, okay, you can go now and read and study and do whatever you want to learn more about what this is all about, and I started to see that hypnosis was being used a lot. I have to say that, you know, I was skeptical of some of the stuff I was seeing and reading. Um, You know, I think that's natural to not, you know, you trust in your own experience, but maybe in others you look at it with a little bit more of a jaded eye, you know, and uh, it's important that it be done correctly. I don't think anyone can lead you too far away from what the truth is. I just don't know that that's, I don't know, at least for me it wouldn't be possible because having had the experiences with different hypnotists trying to break through to access other memories, if they're not there, I've you know, I, I've had some stuff, and I, I don't feel like it's valid. I don't trust it. You know, in your gut, what's real, and you know what's just kind of more like a fantasy or something. Oh, so, interesting.
0: Okay, now here's a question. This, when I read the book, I was completely like, "Whoa, Don Schmidt," because Don Schmidt to me mm-hmm. represents like the you know he's sort of the poster boy for nuts and bolts researchers yeah, doing the doing the government <laughs> work for for you know looking into yeah. documents for Roswell and things like that. Um, And how was he? I mean, this is, you know, I I just, I would never have guessed. I mean, I I guess it's a little bit judgmental on my part, but I just, I am surprised that he would have been right there. Was he in the room during your hypnotic regression?
1: Oh, yeah, he was. He was the one that I connected with. He came up along with Rich Hyden to do the research of the flap in my community. And um, he was, I'm so glad that I had him. We're still good friends. And he is, you're exactly right, he is the epitome of the nuts and bolts. And so for him to deal with me (laughs) and where I've gone with this since the uh, investigation, but his investigation, he was so thorough and so careful, but he was so compassionate with me Um, and, you know, he wouldn't let me read anything. He wouldn't let anyone talk to me about any of the... abduction stuff. I was I was very much uh, one of the most innocent people, I think, on the planet ever. I didn't know anything about abductions and I had been so um, shielded from it. My guys had protected me from all that stuff and so none of my memories were tainted by anything. I, so he did a good job of, he investigated me for probably I think that went on for for more than a year that he met with witnesses and researched and, and did all kinds of, of things to validate what had happened with me. And I'm so grateful that I had him. So since then, you know, he has gone on to be the Area 51 in Roswell. And, um, you know, I I think at first when I start, started talking about my experiences publicly and, and he saw where I was going with him, with this whole idea that I'm a volunteer and that you can't be a victim... At first, I don't know how, you know, and I don't want to speak for him, but I'm not sure that he felt real comfortable with that. You know, I think that it, it's the old way of thinking is that you are a victim and the aliens are here to take over the planet, take over humanity, take, you know, you know take our eggs, steal our eggs from us and create a, um, a new um, line of humans or superhumans. I don't know what they are thinking, but um, I wasn't in line with that. And I think at first he wasn't sure what to make of any of that.
0: Well th- I, this is that makes me feel great because I've met him a few times very briefly just shook his hand at conferences and s- had a mm-hmm. short little conversations with him but um uh and now curiously enough I just found this out uh just a few days ago that uh Don Schmidt and I share something we have the same birthday he's a little few years older than I am but we both have the uh-huh. same birthday so um, really I just I just yeah. noticed that re- just uh, Facebook Aleel. is funny like that I guess yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A Leo yeah he's a great guy he's a great
0: guy And and so that makes me feel good that he would uh, because I do he um, he's very intense when you meet him in real life boy man he looks you straight in the eye and shakes your hand really hard and Mm -hmm. and I and I I want to be careful saying this but it's almost like you know he's almost like out of time in a way like I just see Mm -hmm. him I just I just think about oh the the men that my father would you know, hang out with, I guess in the sixties, he has that sort of vibe to him that he's a little bit out of step with our present day.
1: He's, um, he's old school. He's definitely old school. He's very, uh, he's a man who, um, I, what, what I experienced from him was his, he was very protective of me and he would have done anything to, to make me feel safe when this was going on. And, and when things escalated at my house and I was you know, and I, and it's in the book, that I tried to kill myself. You know, he couldn't keep, he, he, he just felt terrible telling me that he couldn't keep me safe. You know, when I pleaded with him to do something, you know, they were coming, you know, two and three and four times a week and, and my life was just falling apart at the seams. My, my, my wonderful life, you know, I was, I had had such a good life. It seemed like, um, you know, finally things were, were working in, in my direction After some years of struggle, my husband was through school and we both had started our own businesses. We had a couple of beautiful kids. We just built a beautiful home, you know, everything we were, it was, we were finally living the dream, you know, we felt like we paid our dues. And then this whole alien thing started and, oh, my life just, I was like, no, no. And it just was coming apart. And he, he, he had so much compassion and he was so kind yeah you know, but he's old school and he if he could have come there with a gun and and stood guard he would have done it if he thought that would have have done the trick but
0: oh that you know. this is good cuz this is your, 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 uh, confirming my impressions uh-huh. i guess yeah. now um what so how long after the initial hypnosis session did it feel like you know you're sort of describing your 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 old life crumbling mm-hmm. How long right. was it after the initial hypnosis session before you were sort of in the throes of that uh, that, that uh, upheaval?
1: Well, it, it really started right away, Mike. Um, You know, it felt like I walked into Stanley Mitchell's office uh, down in Chicago. I walked in, I would use the word, well, I don't know, I, I, I felt myself, I felt, I was afraid that day, I was afraid of what I was going to Defined. I was afraid that I had been abducted by these men and that they had somehow tortured me or done something to me, but I couldn't imagine what because I had no memory of anything, any trauma to my body. But I was somewhat cocky about the whole alien abduction thing, which I knew Don, Don had told me, we're not looking for that. That's the last thing we want. We just want to make sure that whatever it is that happened to you, that you have support. So they had the psychologist there. And he said, that way you've got support because if you lost two hours of time, it's possible that it was something, something of trauma. So we want to give you the support. So, But I was kind of cocky about it I, 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 and I was a little, and I was more than a little embarrassed. You know, I felt like I was wasting everybody's time. So the woman who walked in there was um, had had some success in her life and had her life rolling on track and I felt pretty sure of how how life works. And the woman who walked out was was shaken to her core and didn't even recognize you know who she was everything everything was undone, nothing fit anymore, none of my belief systems, nothing about the world that I thought I knew fit um my husband couldn't communicate with me he didn't know what to make of any of this, and I could feel him well. Don said later. He said, "You know, Tom, he physically, physically, um, just removed himself from you. I mean, he just couldn't even stand to walk next to me. You could see that he just shut himself off from me. And I felt that happen that day. And it just never came back. We, um, you know, our marriage came undone very quickly after this. The, um, because the memories of that abduction were coming to the surface very fast and furious." very fast. They were just tumbling in and then mixed in with them were memories of other encounters and it all was, flat. it was like flashes going off in my head and I didn't know what to make of it. I couldn't concentrate at work, um, you know, and then the, then the, I became aware that I was having encounters in real time. Um, I was, they were coming for me during the week, every Friday night, like clockwork, they would come every Friday night and that's, my husband would work late. And that was his night to, to work till two or so in the morning. And it was awful. It was terrible. So, yeah, it happened immediately. Everything. It just, it felt like quicksand. And I was going down. So, um, it all changed. I um, My reputation in town, in the small community, I had a real estate business and uh, people were talking about me. Um, my children were teenagers or preteens and they were at the house and they had friends at the house when we had visits and they, some of them saw the ships and they saw the ETs. They, they knew what was going on. and So both
0: your, your kids and their friends were seeing ships. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they would see, uh, they would see the ship. There was one night where there was a ship above the house and there was another time where it landed in the side yard. Um, my daughter's friends, um, shared in some of her experiences and, um, Yeah. It was hard not to. There was so much activity. Um, so yeah, it was, there was, there was talk about it, but you know, they were teenagers or preteens. And so I just told my children, I said, don't, just don't talk about it. Don't tell a lie, but don't talk about it. Just refuse to talk about it. But there was a lot of talk and, um, you know, I just, it was terrible. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry.
0: Now. So, so from my, from my end. And I've been very, very clear about this, talking about this on the, you know, these audio programs and writing about it. Um, I mean, you're describing a little bit, well, a lot of what I've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't in any kind of relationship. I don't have any kids, so, so I was, uh, you know, so I didn't have that to worry about. But there was a, um, uh, I mean, my life fell apart. Exactly what you said. My right. sense of reality just right. crumbled once I started right. looking into it. um and uh there were things that were going on when i started looking into my own experiences starting in 2006 or properly 2007 really uh, when i started looking into these things my life just Mm -hmm. fell apart i mean Mm -hmm. on one sense it was very seductive and it was very exciting Mm -hmm. to to have Mm -hmm. these synchronicities these powerful synchronicities happening and uh as I was proceeding forward, all the synchronicities were somehow tied into the UFO thing, uh, and uh, memories were resurfacing. Uh, weird, weird uh, people—you know—from I mean, weird events were showing up where people from my past, uh, often from my childhood, were showing up, and these were the folks that had, you know, been near me during these these contact events. Anyway, it was very, very wow. confusing, and mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, yeah, and and I I questioned my sanity. Boy, I, I oh yeah yeah,
1: yeah. oh yeah I, I write in the book I think I put in the book that I went to I, I don't know if I put a number in or not but the truth is I think I went to six or eight psychologists uh, because i I would rather have been diagnosed as um, you know having a, a mental illness than to have to face the fact that abductions were real and that this was what was happening to me and it was. It was horrific. It, it just it it does. It shatters your life because everything that you know you're going along, living this life in the in the 3D dimension, in the in the matrix, and and um, you're living it according to the way that you were taught and that you understood it to be, and then all of a sudden you find out it's not anything at all like that. It's all wrong, and but but you don't. You're not given the answers as to what it is. It's all it's all upside down, and and. And you, you just don't know what the answers are and and then on top of that, for me, I felt like a victim i I hated feeling like I was a victim. I hated feeling that they were coming for me, you know, coming for my children, and they were leaving bruises on me, and it that that was a terrible feeling. It took me a long time to get rid of that feeling, but ultimately, that's what I had to do because it just it didn't fit well with me and I wasn't going to give up until I had answers as to what this was really all about and I didn't find it from the ufo investigators I didn't find it by going to the conferences and I read very few books I would start reading books and I I would get into them a few pages and I would I would literally get sick to my stomach I would have to toss them aside I couldn't read them so I and I'm still to this day I don't read other people's books because I don't want to contaminate my own memories so you know, I'm I'm grateful that I was able to work my way through it and come, come, and I'm getting I get answers now. I can ask anything, and I I get answers. Oh,
0: no, here, let me just interrupt. How was so so that I want? That's one of the questions I have. Is so the formal process? Are you asking Da the the yeah. one individual? So you actually address like you know? Here.
1: Yeah, I push it out. You know, because of my communication with him, it's in the book how we how he communicated with me back then in 1987, 88, 89 when I was having those experiences um and they were uh, around a lot and he would actually literally speak to me sometimes he'd just be like over my shoulder and make me jump you know I'd hear his voice it'd be like he was sitting in the back seat of my car or standing behind me and i would say S- stop doing that you know but he would talk to me that way or he would talk to me um there's three different ways. The other way is it's like there's a pipeline o- opens up in the top of your head and like this pipeline extends way up and then he's on the other side of it and he's like talking into it and it comes down into my head and I hear his voice talking to me that way. So there's that kind of a communication, which is he's outside of me, but I hear it not like he's real close to me. And then the third way that I hear him, which I told him I much prefer this, and this is the way they've been doing it now, is he. I just I hear his voice in my head It's not a thought, it's a voice, but I'm not hearing it like through my ears and I just hear him speak words or say to me. And then, and then a new thing that's happened since, um, since the book came out because my publisher asked me when he was getting ready to publish the book, um, I had a publisher before I went with, um, Dolores Cannon and this publisher, I was meant to be with him for a while because he instructed me to, to, um, to expand on the spiritual side of all this. And so I did. And he was the one who said, you know, in your book, it says that, uh, that they told you they were from Andromeda. And he said, "Yet they look like, you told me that the physical bodies look like, they look like Zetas and Zetas don't come from Andromeda. And I said, I don't know anything about that. And he said, well, he said, where do they come from? And I said, I, I can only tell you what I know. And he said, well, ask them. And I said, oh, okay. So, I sent out the thought. I'm like, you know, they want to know where you're from. I just, I just, I I don't know how to put it any other way. I have the thought and I like push. I push it out. It's it's how I learned to communicate with them back then. And uh, it's something I just know. And so I did that. And I'll be darned, you know, I did that. And a day or two later, I remembered, and that's how it was, I remembered the answer and it played in my head as if we had had a conversation like the night before or something and I was replaying the conversation. And I heard him say, I heard myself ask him, where are you from? Are you, you're you're a Zeta, right? And he said, that would not best describe the truth of who I am. And I said, well, who are you? Where do you come from? And he hesitated a little bit and he said, I am a voyager of the universe going where needed in service to the creator. And I said, whoa, I was not expecting that. And I wasn't expecting that. And so then I said, well, they want to know because you look like a, a Zeta, you look like a gray. And he said, I am what you would call an etheric being. When I come into your world, it's a world of, of uh, physicality, and I need to have a, a body. And this is a container that I put on, and it's, a, it's one that I wear. It's highly functional. So when I told that, I told that to Mel. Mel. So I told that to my publisher and then I put it, I think, on my blog or maybe it's in the book even. But I'm, And when I had that interview with Mel and I told him that, he said, well, okay, but that container scares people. Why would they choose that container? Why don't they choose a container that's human so it doesn't scare you so much? Because they still scare me sometimes when I see them at first. And I said, that's a good question. I don't know. And I said, I'll ask them. So then I did. And, and then once again, a day later, I remember being told, the human form is a more fra- is a very fragile, delicate form. It's highly vulnerable and more complicated. The container that we use is modeled after the zeta form, which is highly functional, and that was the answer. And so that's how it works.
0: That's very interesting. Very, so I may, before this interview is up, I may ask a question. Yeah. Uh, and put one out there. And this is a very selfish question. And and I'll I'll prep I'll preface this selfish question by this uh, question for you. Um, in your book, um, you have a very unusual owl story involving your mother. Right. And and um, I don't know how much you know about me, but I have been researching owls. Uh, I saw
1: that on your, I saw that on your yeah, site. Yeah,
0: so, uh, and I've been working on a book on this whole thing, and so um, uh, it seems that, I don't want to say 100% of the people, because that's an exaggeration, and that wouldn't play out, but it is certainly enough that there's a very clear pattern that this owl thing is showing up in this in this research of mine and it is all based on my first hand experience I'll share a little bit of that but can you tell that story with your mother and the owl? My,
1: oh my mother yeah it's, it's, it's so interesting because she um, I remember it because she told it over and over again which is what you do when you have some of these types of experiences you have to talk about it.
0: Oh and that's, and, that's a sign and symptom of like PTSD is like repeating the story over and over again.
1: Yeah it's what I, I was like that. I know after my hypnosis, I, I, I just wore out my two or three friends that I trusted, you know? And my mother did this cause I I was almost embarrassed by it because I was like, just stop talking about it. But she was, um, she was a member of Eastern star and she had gone to a meeting in a community that was, um, driving through that. We lived in a rural area and she drove up through the hills, uh, of Southern Wisconsin to this town, which was about a 25 minute drive back then. And, um, She talked about how when she came home after the meeting, it would have been probably 10 or 1030, maybe, maybe not even that late. Driving home, she got lost, she said, and she got confused. And she said there was fog and she couldn't find her way. And she just, she doesn't know what happened. And the last thing she remembered was uh, an owl standing by the side of the road. And she remembered the eyes of this owl. And I think she described it as white, um, and she was looking at that all as she went by, and she remembers looking at that, how it was just standing there looking at her as she drove by, and the eyes staring at her. And and she just talked about that over and over again, and how long, and, and then finally when she came home and she realized, you know, she'd been out there driving around for a couple hours and didn't even realize it. Well, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know um, until after I had been regressed and, and then started you know Don said it was time I could go in and investigate, and I started to hear about the owl stories and Of course, I had my own experiences of um i like i had i had um dogs, and I couldn't figure out why Don was so interested in that. I had a couple of dogs that came to my house and stood outside the window of my house and stared in at me, and it creeped me out. And it was a weird thing, and, and I remember Don being intrigued by that. And I said, well, they're all, I said, they also were here the other night, and they were out in my backyard. And I stood on my balcony and looked down, and I said, I, just, I said, what are they doing here? They're just staring at me. So now I understand. Anytime you have a deer or an owl or anything like where the eyes seem to be the main thing that you remember about them, sometimes you don't even remember what animal it is. You just remember the eyes. That's usually a screen memory, and you've had an encounter with an ET because their eyes are... Most definitely, I don't care what race of beings it is you're interacting with. The eyes are absolutely the thing that you will remember the most because they speak through their eyes. I mean, you can see the emotion and the light that's there. So it's they're very penetrating. Very
0: interesting. Now, yes, yeah, so that was the, the story of your mother plays out mm-hmm. uh, very powerfully as a uh, uh, a screen mm-hmm. memory, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she had. I mean, she had had experiences. She saw. She saw alien craft. And um, she, I was with her one night when we were walking, and she saw um, a UFO with a with a tube of light and something flying up through the tube of light toward the craft, and she was frustrated. I didn't see it; I couldn't see it. But um, she definitely had encounters, definitely. Well, plus she gave birth to me. <laughs> that was had to be a little bit weird. So, and that's an yeah. interesting
0: story too in the book. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So, so that so the the avenue of inquiry on my end is based on my own firsthand experiences and and where I this is going back to 2006 where I um, said that's when I started looking into this and I went camping with a friend here in the valley that I live in and we went out for one night and um, uh, we were sitting as the sun was setting and she was talking about something and just as she was speaking she said something really interesting. And I was like, wow, this is, she was a complete stranger to me. I really didn't know her at all. I just invited oh. her camping and, and mm-hmm. she said yes. And, and I live in a place right near Grand Teton National Park, really beautiful camping right out, you know, within minutes of my driveway here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said something very interesting and I was like, oh my word, this person is impressive. And it was at that moment that an owl flew over us uh. and then another owl. And then a third owl, and for the next hour or so, I guess, yeah. uh, these owls flew above us and landed on tree branches near us, and in it, the sun went down, and it got to the point where we even laid on our backs under the starry skies, we didn't have shelters, didn't have a tent with us, just sleeping out under the stars, the owls would swoop down above us and just blot out the stars for just one second, uh, yeah. and they're very quiet when they fly, and so... Yeah. That was super mystical experience. We went out camping a few days later, and the same exact thing happened at sunset. Wow. These owls, three owls, totally different part of the range. Uh, I'm convinced are the same three owls, mm-hmm. uh, and these wow. were real owls. I feel I can. I feel I was very aware of all the UFO stuff, and I was staring at these things, going, "These are real owls. They were owl sized They were doing kind of owl things. They were flying around. They they were sitting on tree branches. So." Uh, some years go by Well, so, this, so, so when I was having this experience seeing these owls in 2006 I mean there was a ringing voice in my head and I feel like it was my own voice it doesn't feel like it was projected mm-hmm. it was me, it was my own voice and it was saying this has something to do with the UFOs I actually pounded on the table here I don't know if you heard that when I said that this has something to do with the UFOs <laughs> huh? and I didn't know what that meant I had mm-hmm. a few odd experiences in my life—a missing time event. I'd seen some stuff, and and I'd managed to deny all of it. So it was the owls that, and then at once I started looking into this stuff, and it was the owls that were the impetus. You know, like oh, I got to follow mm-hmm. through on this. this. Is something something's up? Yeah. And 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 the act of looking, I started seeing. Oh my God, I saw owls everywhere, and I, I feel very strongly these were all real owls. So this feels almost like it's more of a like, who do I call? Do I call the UFO investigator or do I call the local shaman from the Indian mm-hmm. Reservation to, to... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's there's a crossover. Now, so here's a little detail here. So, um the woman, her name is Kristen. Um, I contacted her some years later and I said, listen, I'm writing this stuff up as like a little diary entry and I got to ask, what were you talking about the moment we saw that first owl? I remember being sort of thunderstruck. I remember being kind of like in awe... Mm-hmm. You said something really profound. Do you remember what you were saying? And she said, she said, "Oh yes, I remember exactly what I was saying." She said I was giving the deepest, most heartfelt definition of what God meant to me.
2: Oh.
0: And that's when the first owl showed up. So that's when I asked like, "What was the Beach Boys song?" Uh, you know, uh-huh. yeah. and I'm I'm I that 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 one small detail elevates for me, it elevates the whole story into something almost transcendent. So, from right. this point from that point on, I have these owl experiences. It freaks me out. I was not at peace with it. I was freaked out. Uh, I started looking into my own experiences. I started having all these synchronicities. I started seeing all these owls. And as I started to do this research, one of the questions I ask everyone is, have you had any odd owl experiences? And there's two forms of owl experience. One, exactly what your mother described, is this Mm -hmm. screen memory. And then also, a lot of people are having what I just described, where I feel strongly that these are real owls showing up at like these sort of prescient, highly charged moments. Mm. And and I don't quite. And so that's that's the, the, the what I'm trying to research. Mm-hmm. Um, so. mm.
1: I have not had I haven't had the owl thing. I've had um, other, you know, deer and um, you know other the eyes. I've had, that I haven't. I don't recall an owl. Um, but my sense of it for you is, the whole UFO ET thing uh, is highly um, strange, and we just has this all this strangeness to it. And there, there's, there's, like you say, the synchronicities and everything. But there's, there's just so many moving pieces to it. It's very fluid and flowing, as to where one part of life ends and another starts, and and. You keep saying that the owls are real. Um, I'm not sure what that means. Real in what form. Um, they definitely are connected to the ETs. I mean, there was definitely something uh, sacred about you seeing them. And I don't know, maybe it goes back to something as simple as maybe the owl is like your totem animal symbol and it has meaning to, you, um, to your soul on on a deeper level or it is the connection to your E.T. because clearly you have E.T. connection also. So, the owls um, being real, what does that mean? Real, like real type of a bird on planet 3D Earth? Real or real as uh, the embodiment of um, your E.T. family or, or something? I mean, I'm open to all of that anymore. I never used to be and when I used to hear people talk like that, I'd go, um time to stop listening to that person but now after having as much experience and, and going deeper and deeper into this I, and the more you open up to it the more that's revealed to you so I don't know I'm just looking at that and seeing that it is, it is it's very symbolic of, it's very symbolic for you.
0: Okay that's very is. interesting because what I, what I, as soon as you started saying like oh here's what I think yeah. Maybe going on, I wrote the word symbolic and mythic" uh-huh. on the paper there, and I was just kind of waiting for you to get to the word symbolic because I knew you would yeah. um and uh, yeah, so that's my sense is that it is it is somehow a symbolic or a mm-hmm. archetypal right there's a reason for it another way to look at it, which I'm exploring in the book. I don't want to take up too much time here, but um, another thing I've been looking at is that you know, could the owls actually have like uh I mean, could the the ufo occupants be sort of co-opting the owl and using it like a uh like a, a surveillance camera because there really would be no animal on earth better suited for the mm-hmm. role of of surveillance mm-hmm. camera than than the owl they have mm-hmm. very good eyesight they can see in the dark they can fly silently mm-hmm. and that's all conjecture but um
1: yeah so yeah it's it's possible um it's possible that that's, uh, you know, happening, or it just could be that, that they're projecting, you know, that they're projecting that image into your mind. I mean, a lot of times when you see a UFO craft, a lot of times, unless they're there to pick you up or, you know, anything, if you're just seeing it floating by or sitting there, a lot of times those are projections that are, you know, that have that's been planted in your in your mind. You know, it is a holographic. I mean, we live in a holographic universe. I mean, and the more that you start to realize that, the more you realize, how you can play with all kinds of different things once you understand that it's all not really real. You know, it's just, we're all just, ultimately we're all just an idea. And the suppo- supposedly ETs, what I always want to say to people is that, you know, my guys, we think of them as aliens. We think that we call them ETs, whatever I call them, my guys, you know, we, we, we put them in a separate category, like, but they're people, you know, they're people and they're human beings they're just not earth human beings or at least you know they're not earth human beings is what we're used to seeing but they're just they're people they may um, function on a different level and they have different type of lives a lot of them live on ships instead of on a planet or some of them have home planets they haven't been to for a long time because they're out exploring or whatever but they're just they're people just like us you know but they're in most cases more highly evolved thank God but other than that um, you know there's a lot of different aspects to this that that you know we tend to put the E.T.s on some kind of a um, categorize them as either you know what depending on our belief system you know they're either evil or they're or they're um, they're you know angels or they're saints they're you know whatever they're here to save us a lot of people want to believe they're here to save us but they're people you know they're yeah
0: that's my sense too is that it is it's it's uh... And well, let me just say it. I try to be very agnostic about the conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I listen very closely when people, t- you know, give give me their 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 conclusions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, but everyone is different, right? So you talk to hundred right. people at a UFO conference, you're going to get a hundred different conclusions. and
1: exactly.
0: And uh, so so it's really up to me and my own heart to to come to terms with what I think may or may right. not be going on.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly where I go with my my the talks that I give is to be discerning, run it all through your heart. You you We all know the truth of what this is about. If you had experiences and you're having trouble coming to terms with them, you know what? You know the answer. It's there within you. You just need to run it through your heart. Start, you know, the last thing you want to do is analyze. You do not want to start analyzing this and picking it apart and looking at the evidence because that's going to chase you in circles and you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to get an answer that satisfies you. It is only, I found that only when you run it through your heart, what do you feel? You know the answer if you just don't, just what comes first into your mind when you ask a question and what resonates with you as true. Don't analyze it. Don't, you know, that's, the the answer is there and you know the answer. We all know because we've had these experiences and, and so on on some level we've got the answer there.
0: I agree. I agree, Though though it, you know, I will... I'm very cautious in the way I write this stuff and present it. I will very, I will say, you know, here's mm-hmm. what I sense, and right. here's my feeling about this. You know, like I have an, in, you know, intuitive sense that this is what is probably going on, and mm-hmm. I'm very cautious to say I know because mm-hmm. my sense is, you know, who knows? Like a month from now or a week from now or later mm-hmm. on the same afternoon, I'll, I'll change my mind. But um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so that's I just I I do make sure that I when I present myself. I'm very cautious to say that I mean here's as far as I can go is what I know. Right. All I right. know is that something very real and very profound is taking place and unfolding. Right. Beyond that I can't it's all conjecture. It's all right. Yeah, so. Um hey uh so here let me just the question if you could ask your your guides mm-hmm. or your your guys yeah. uh would be um excluding the screen memories what is going on with all the owls in, in oh. i guess in my own life i guess would be the way to say it i mean mine and other mm-hmm. people's so there's certainly other people who've had the same thing so mm-hmm. me as someone who's had as far as i can tell direct ufo contact mm-hmm. um you know why why do owls why are owls playing such a profound role in my life as as, as i as i proceed down this path
1: they got your attention didn't they
0: they uh, the, the, the conclusion I have come to is I'm referring to the owls as alarm clocks
1: yeah and, uh, what I'm, I'm getting at right now is they said it, that was their question they got your attention right that was all that we wanted we wanted your attention we wanted you to sit up and take notice the time this was all planned like this it was, it's whatever we can do to get your attention
0: well, it worked, and that's mm-hmm. and, and i and i'm um you know I do a talk and I've written an essay, and I'm working on this book and in a way, the conclusion mm-hmm. I come to is that the owls are messengers, the owls are alarm clocks um, mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. you know basically the alarm clock you know rattles and bell rings and it screams at you it's right. it's it's it'll jolt you out of a sound sleep and um it's screaming at you to wake up
1: right. And they're just—it isn't like a, a a deer. I mean, an, an owl is. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw an owl. So, so an owl is enough of an anomaly that when it shows up, you notice it, and it's and it's odd enough and strange enough to be showing up in some places where they're showing up, in more than one. Um, it's just—it's just—it's not like an eagle sometimes. An owl is a little bit. It's different. It's quirky. And plus, it's got the eyes. It's the perfect symbolism for them getting your attention and pointing you in the direction. They wanted you to go to to research this. If it had been an eagle, it wouldn't have been quite the same. If it had been, you know, any other animal or thing that you can think of, an owl, though, perfect.
0: And that, that it, it's it's and it is one of the things I'm researching is the is the uh, mythology of the owls, mm-hmm. and that is the mythology of the owls right. straight right. through the ages. It's, it's, right, and it's that's a, what
1: that's why that was used because yeah. they knew it would get your attention, and they wanted to point you dire- in exactly the direction that you're going in. So it mission accomplished is what I'm hearing
0: and you heard that right now just as far as yeah okay yeah fair enough mm-hmm. I mean that that yeah. I mean that that is I've already in a way I mean you're they're confirming something that I've already you know written about and right.
1: what I'm also what I'm hearing what I'm getting is that you know there's how many of us out here talking and you're coming at it from an angle that's totally different than than me and that's a good thing. They wanna they wanna capture every angle. They wanna fill in like a like if you think of a I'm seeing like a big circle and the circle is cut into a, a million little pieces of pie. Each one of those little pieces of pie is someone different speaking their truth coming from their perspective and they're gonna connect with that person and persons that that resonate with that perspective. Who listens to you and that story of the owls and, and that makes sense to them is not gonna get the same thing when they listen to me. So they're they're making this contact, they're making themselves known. We're all working as ambassadors to try to get the story of our family. You know, they want to reconnect with us. We, they want us back in the universe as 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 members of the universe. And um they're doing it in every way imaginable. And that's your that's your way right there
0: that's my sense that is my uh-huh. that is my well you've said uh-huh. run through my heart and I have been yeah. running through my heart and that's my sense it's like okay yeah. i got to follow this the way uh-huh. I've referred it it's like this golden thread has presented itself yes. to me and I'm going to pull on it
2: Yeah.
0: and and uh, yeah. uh, I actually had one woman sort of describe this you know like sh- I'm using her metaphor and she was talking about synchronicity one synchronicity to another and I'm I'm treating mm-hmm. the owls in a way as synchronicities where she would say like you pull on the thread yeah. pull on the golden thread and you find yeah. a synchronicity and you follow it Right. And at the end of that thread is another synchronicity. And the right. end of that thread is another synchronicity. Right. And at the end of all of that is your destiny,
1: right. And, I, I, and agree. I think
0: that is a that is that is as good a way to to lead mm-hmm. your life as
1: any I think so I think it's great. I, I would all, I would add one thing and that is that trust when you when that synchronicity, you know the more you trust in it and you jump on it and don't question it, And don't be afraid of of just trusting it. The faster it will go, you won't, you know, the threads are going to come really fast. You're going to be picking up threads, you know, very rapidly now and it'll move along a lot faster and the frustration will come to an end because, because it'll be so, um, it'll be so, uh, so prevailing. The truth of it will just, it'll overwhelm you, the beauty of it coming together.
0: And that has been my direct experience when Mm -hmm. I allow myself to right. to fully trust them because initially and I said it straight out initially the that event with the owls freaked me out mm-hmm. um, I was shook up it drove Kristen crazy I just I think mm-hmm. I like and she was but anyway so I mean because yeah. we we were both pretty freaked out but I was definitely like uh it just it you know she managed to just kind of like oh well I'll just move on and I could not yeah. so yeah um, hey um. I got a bunch of questions here. Let me just ask one. This is another selfish one. You see the number one, two, three on clocks a lot. Yeah,
1: I used to. I used to. In my book, I talk about it when they were teaching me that time doesn't exist, and you know, now I tell them I was like, you couldn't come up with something better than that. Uh, yeah, the sequential time thing just drove me crazy. It just drove me crazy. But I see one, two, three, one, two, three, four. I see sequence not as much anymore. But when I do, I always smile because I always know. That I always know it's them. You know, I do. I mean, not that you can't see that once in a while yourself, just catch it. But, but there are times when I see it and and I get a jolt and and I feel like you know it's I, yeah, it's them, yeah.
0: That's my sense also. You know, is that yeah. uh, whether it's them or whether mm-hmm. it's like the sort of magical power of synchronicity. You know, that right. that all kind of blurs together. There's kind of magic off behind yeah. the curtain in a way. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and so that was that's been something that you know people say like, oh, I see eleven eleven all the time, and I haven't mm-hmm. met many people who see one two three. One, two, three, four, or one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five. I have so yeah. many bizarre coincidences around that. And they all, not all, but they sort of glom, you know, they sort of congregate mm-hmm. around the UFO thing. Right. I actually went through my emails recently and just scrolled through all of them. You know, you get the emails from, from the credit card company and the bank and stuff like that in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got emails that come in from either UFO researchers or other UFO abductees. And the only time counts that was one, two, three, one, two, three, four, uh, those were coming, that that didn't happen. I didn't get any from the bank. I didn't get any from like in mundane stuff, you know, like your library books overdue kind of stuff. I, it all came from UFO abductees. Yeah,
2: really. And then,
0: uh, when I told you earlier, when we spoke on the phone and anyone who listens to this series will be tired of hearing that story, but the story I just told about the, the line on the map. Oh yes. When yeah. I did the original posting, I did a posting where I basically said, like, oh I saw this weird thing and then I looked on a map and there was there was nothing there, you know, there was mm-hmm. no round building. I did a blog post, like in the moment, like as soon as I came to terms with that. Um and that got posted at one, two, three, four, twelve thirty four. <laughs> I didn't realize it until afterwards. And when I yeah. saw that, I will tell you that that as yeah. much as anything in my life, that yeah. time count was like a confirmation to me.
1: I know it. We do, you know, they do it. We do it. Whatever, however, your belief system is. But, you know, I like to, I like to say they do that. My guys do that. I always say my guys do that. You know, it's just, it's just another little, you know, ta da, <laughs> ta da. You know, it's, it just points out just how fluid and, and how, uh, how it's all been planned. I like to say it's all been planned, but it's just, it's now I'm, I'm changing that to say it's just all very fluid. Life is very fluid. It's an illusionary world we live in and um that that helps a lot to to come to terms with the oddness and the very strangeness of this whole thing it's It's illusionary, and yet it's it's definitely a physical world that we're dealing with. There's no doubt about that it's it, you can call it an illusion, and I know it's an illusion, but at the same time, I saw on your site the the you know three prong injection sites and and my guys are coming, and you know they're giving me injections of amino acids and and to my significant other and so they're concerned with our physical bodies too, you know, so um, as a matter of fact, my guys are very concerned with the biological hu- human form. So there's there's a lot of layers to this. There's just a lot. It's a lot to take in.
0: When we spoke on the phone just a few minutes before, or a couple hours I guess, before we actually did this formal interview, um, we went back and forth and we were kind of, you know, laughing a little bit. And at one point you said something and I wrote it down. You said, um, "You know, it's a crazy planet you have down there," and I recognize that you said mm-hmm. it from it wasn't it wasn't from like, I mean, if I said it, I would say it's a crazy planet we have right here, but that's not what mm-hmm. you said. It's a crazy planet you have from down there. You were speaking as if you were like, you, you, as if your point of view wasn't from someone here on Earth. You were you were your point of view was someone yeah. looking down at Earth. That's what that was yeah. my sense.
1: I know, you know, Mike. I, I'm trying to get away from doing that. I mean, I have some interviews where I I slip I into that and I do it. Um, I don't do that intentionally because I had somebody point out to me, you know, you're all about oneness, Sherry, and when you separate yourself out as because um, I I will say things like you humans are so funny, you know, and or I get a kick out of you humans and are you Earth humans, you know? What are we going to do with you? Uh, because I'm enough into my into the truth of who I am that, um, and I have always had a certain awareness that that I was different and that I didn't belong here, so now that I know that and and I'm in awareness of that, but I am human, I I mean I am, I'm here as a human, Um, I don't have a lot of my um, awareness here, especially now, you know, but I, um, the bigger part of me is definitely... Uh, somewhere else. I, I, this is my one and only time on planet Earth. I, I came in as a first wave volunteer and I came from a, um, a, a dimension of, um, of, of unity, uh, you know, consciousness, you know. And so being here has been an odd experience, but I wanted it. I came to be of service. I definitely came to be of assistance to the planet, to Gaia. And I, I did that um, because my people, that's what, you know, we serve the planet and we serve humanity as best that we can. We're um, guardians as it were. So I came here as a volunteer uh, after it, Gaia d- decided in the linear year of 1945 she made the decision to go into the fifth dimension during this um, Stargate opening that was occurring in, in 2012. And she did made that decision because of the atomic bomb that went off in 1945. And so she was going to uh, be destroyed. Humanity was going to destroy the planet Earth. They had already um, destroyed other planets when they detonated their bombs. And uh, it was, it's was it been so damaging. Um, she's just been, you know, really abused. And it's a hard thing to watch. So no one could blame her. She had held back her own evolution for a long time to try to allow the Earth humans to evolve the point where they could go with her into the next dimension but it just didn't look like it was going to happen so when she said in 1945 I'm moving on with or without my children there was a there had been other attempts to try to um, awaken the earth humans and bring them back into um, to alignment with the rest of the universe and and they had failed and so there was going to be one last attempt, and there was a chance to go and be on planet Earth. I remember this as clear as if it were yesterday. I remember knowing that if, if ever you were going to get a chance to be on a planet like planet Earth, there is no other planet like planet Earth. It's got all kinds of stories and a lot of things that have happened here that haven't happened anywhere else. So I, I, I volunteered, and my comrades, the rest of my family, whatever you want to call them, you know, they gave me a hard time about it, but I said, I'm, I'm going. And so um, I campaigned and I did and I came on the planet Earth in 1950 and um, came in behind the veil and stepped down my vibration to be here along with millions of others who came as volunteers. And we came, I came in as a participant in what's called the hybrid program because the human Earth biological entity, the human body was not going to probably survive the shift that was coming up. At the time, it didn't look like it was going to happen. So we didn't want to lose that you know, evolutionary um, body. That It was a, a lot of work and time and effort, and we just didn't want that destroyed. So I came in for the purposes of allowing my eggs to be harvested so that we could continue um, the human DNA, Earth human DNA. And um, then in 1987, there was the harmonic convergence. And the harmonic convergence uh, sent a lot of light and um, a lot of love onto the planet, and a lot of people awakened. And that's when I I got my orders at that point. Then and, and um, I had to make a decision if I was going to stay for the next round or if I was going to leave. And I don't have it in the book, but um, I think it's going to be in the movie because I've since had the memories, qu- you know, filled in as to what happened at that time because I had. Memories of my making a case and arguing before the council that I wanted to stay on planet Earth. I did not want to leave, and um, and, and at that point, I didn't want to leave my children.
0: Oh, so and, uh, so you have memories of of actually, I'm just visually seeing this in a movie format uh, of like arguing before a council, uh, and that I, was in yeah. your like in my
1: in my living room.
0: Oh, right in your living room. Okay, so you were in, in your present big, incarnation mm-hmm. as a human. It wasn't like you uh-huh. were in it as an etheric being or anything.
1: I was in a theory. I got out of my body. My body was laying on the sofa. I talked to Don about this at the time when it happened. He was, <laughs> yeah. he was, Which surprised me. I mean, I didn't know where to go with it because I, I, was, I was really confused by it and I didn't understand it and um, he, he was extremely interested in it. I think I've had a positive, well, I won't say, I shouldn't say positive, I've had an impact on Don as far as having him look at things differently. I think that because he trusts me and he knows me, he knows, you know, I'm not... I don't have imagination to make this. I can't make this stuff up. And he's seen me struggle with it. Like this memory, I'd struggled with it. I didn't know what it meant. I said, what does that mean? I was fighting to stay here. What what does that mean? And they told me that I I shouldn't stay. And and I said, and I I think I was an ET. I said, I was a tall ET or like an etheric being. I said, and I was one of them. I said, what does that mean? It scared the crap out of me. Um, So... That but it's only been recently that that they showed me what that was all about and what that was was in 1987. Well, it was 89 when um, I made the argument that uh, I wanted to stay here and they said that I had the option to leave and I could leave. I was going to uh, be, be um, my body. I was my body was going to be killed in a car accident and I would be freed from from my work here and I could come back to them and. I didn't want to leave my children and so I argued that case and I won but they they fought with me on it I mean they argued they didn't say they fought they argued with me and um, I continued to stay but then the second phase of the whole thing would be that I would eventually have to write this book then and go public with and, and assist but at the time the, the reason they wanted me to leave this is the interesting part this was the, the 1989 at that time I think that they told me that statistically only 12 percent of the humans were going to make the shift at that time, and they they didn't hold much hope for too many of humanity. And they said it's going to be it's going to get horrific. It's going to be so terrible, the catastrophes on planet Earth. And they didn't want me to have to suffer through it. They said you've done enough, and and it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be harsh, and there's terrible times ahead. And I said I don't care. I'm not. I wasn't leaving. And. Um, so that was that was interesting to me how that all they've done that over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I had memories that didn't fit into what I believed should be my story or what fit into what I believed was the way it I understood it to be and yet I knew what I knew and so I'd I'd cling to those memories. A few times I even got mad and I said to Da, you know, I said, What does that mean? You know, that this whole thing is you've lied to me and you're not who I think you are and I've been deceived and you're really evil and I you know how cold that I'll go that far. And then he'll call me, he'll just look at me, and then he'll just say, "Okay, this is what this is what it means and this is how it happened and then he'll put the pieces together, and I'll be like, "Oh holy crap i never could have i never i never realized that I didn't see it from that perspective. I didn't understand that, and now it makes sense and and he puts the pieces together and over and over again he does that to me, and it's been good for me because i'm learning I'm learning trust, but i'm not I'm not an easy sell I'm my own worst credit, critic you know i I had to be proven over and over again that my story is 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 right on. That it's not something I'm just pulling out of thin air, you know. So that's what happened with this. So it's been an interesting, interesting time for me. Most it's my, my since the book came out, I've opened up to so many more memories, so much more is coming. And the book's
0: only me. been out for less than a year now.
1: Oh, I know. It came out in in December, and I can't believe how much more now I I know and. Yeah, because they're writing the, mo- they're doing the script for the movie, and they want to fill in the blanks. And so I'm, you know, I'm giving them everything I can, but it's it's happening so fast. The shift is happening so fast. You know, by by 2017 we should be through it for the most part, and so this is all going to be settled by then. Planet Earth is, it's all going to be settled. By when? 2017. I've heard the that number Star- so many times from. People. Yeah, the Stargate is, is. That's how long we're open and. And those who are going to, what I was told by Don not too long ago, and I got very upset about it, I, I I remembered being told that there had been a lock. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, there's a lock on, on you know, everybody, you know, the way it's going to play out now. And I said, are you telling me that people can't still awaken and still can't go? He said, well, of course, it's an ongoing thing. But there was something about the word that there's a lock. And I said, well, you know, because I, I, I feel sad. I feel like we didn't quite get as many numbers as, you know. As I would have liked to have have us get, but um, it's certainly more than the 12% that were there back in 1989. But not as many as you would like. So he he explained to me. I I was very depressed for a while because I said, "What's going to happen to those who have not awakened?" And um, and he just said he used the word recalibrate. That actually came out in an interview. I was doing, I was talking, and and this and I was, talking and he used that word recalibrate and I tried to use a different word and he wouldn't let me. And so I stumbled over it. It's on a YouTube video that's out there and I didn't say, oh, they want me to use the word recalibrate, but that's exactly what happened. And afterwards I looked it up in the dictionary because he, he always will do that. He'll use words and I'll go, that's not the right word. And he'll say, look it up. <laughs> so I'll go and I'll look it up and sure enough, recalibrate is what they're going to do with the souls that, then, that aren't ready to go to the fifth dimension, the planet earth. They get recalibrated, which I looked it up and I guess what it means is that they will go exactly where they're at to the highest point that they are able to be at, at this, you know, where they are healthy and whole and they can continue on their journey of learning only. But he he reminded me, what made me feel good about it and not feel like we failed is that, um, because we didn't fail, but it's true that those who aren't ready to go to the fifth dimension will continue in their three-dimensional um, experience and that's fine, but it will be on a world that is not enslaved the way this one is, and that just that when he told me that, he reminded me of that, and I was like, oh, okay, thank God, and that's and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We, then we didn't fail, and he said, no, there's no failure. There, that's not possible. So I feel a lot better because the the main thing is the planet has has been freed, enslavement is over, enslavement of planet Earth is over, and that's the main
0: thing okay now this so so back to i mean I'm listening very carefully to all this and i and I and I you know, but I talk to a lot of folks, and everyone sort of has a different i know take on it, and your take kind of dovetails with other folks, but it it's very diametrically opposite to 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 other folks, so mm-hmm. all I can do mm-hmm. is listen as best i can and um and I will say you are a very credible. Uh, and forceful. Well, forceful—that's the wrong way to say it. Very, I would say credible and a compelling. Um, I guess spokesperson for this. Mm-hmm. For this. And so, and I really respect that. I mean, you—you you have mm-hmm. a. There's. You have a very pleasant. Uh, very. How to say this? I'm just like. You. You're. You're saying things that could easily be. In someone else's voice, come across as preachy. And they don't come across as preachy at all when it comes oh, from thank you. Thank you. I hate to, I hate to think I'm
1: preachy. I don't want to be preachy.
0: No, but you're, it's interesting. And I and I'm, I was and I was as you were saying all this, I was like, I gotta chime in. And how do I say it? But yes. So um and and uh, 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 I mean, I am at a loss just because I feel like I do so much examination of people's you know or talking to folks and hearing their stories, and ever Let me tell you, everyone has got this sense. Uh, yours is a little more forthright but I mean and I have it too that just a little farther out on the horizon line of our of our calendar just it's just it's looming Mm -hmm. out there something really bad is 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 at the tipping point right now and man Mm -hmm. I feel it in my core and I can't back it up by saying like oh I know it for these reasons but I'm just it just seems to be that's my gut talking
1: yeah and I don't know if it's going to be bad or if it's just going to be a change you know we, we can we write the script I mean we create our own reality with our thoughts and so far it's not gotten anywhere near as bad as it could not anywhere near as bad as it could have I mean we we were on tap to be totally wiped out and destroyed you know and the planet cleansed so that she could move forward and instead you know, we've got all these different timelines, we're multidimensional beings and so we have, let's not forget that factor, there's, there's all these different timelines and we can access whatever timeline we want and we will according to what our vibration is. So as long as we stay out of fear and stay heart-centered, that raises your vibration, it raises the vibration of the planet, that means the higher we'll go. You know, we're in it right now and everything's being thrown at us to try to keep us in fear, Everything. Is being thrown at us. I mean, the those that enslaved the planet and have set off of the fear of this planet and kept humanity enslaved, kept them from from evolving in a natural way, the way you're supposed to evolve. They kept them trapped here in that in that cycle of karma, and that's what's come to an end. And and so they're they're just trying to to keep it going as best they can. And they'd rather you know they'd rather see the whole place, the whole thing blow up than than us evolve. But they're not able to do it. I mean, love always will trump darkness, and that's what we're doing. And the vibration is too high, and they can't control it anymore. It's, it's we're beyond that reach now. So it's going to be all. It's going to be good. Will there be cleansings? Will there be catastrophes and things? Um, possibly, but only if we invite it by our by our fear. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if we would all become heart centered right now, you know, that's what I mean by I was feeling really sad because. You know, there are those who are just, they're just, they're too preoccupied with the drama and the pain and the catastrophes and the and what's right in front of them. I mean, those that are, that, were cho- that chose to come in in those areas that are war ta- war-torn and, and um, just so much stuff going on, I mean, they don't have the luxury to, to spend too much time getting heart-centered and, you know, they're... T- fighting for their lives and their focus is entirely on trying to save you know keep their body alive so it's it's an interesting world and da I think he said it best when he told me when he was teaching me to be a light worker and he said you know what's happened on planet earth is there's been a division that's taken place you have those that have risen to the point of awareness their vibration is high and they're ready to move on and they, they understand they don't they no longer need to live in a world where they are dominated and they they know that they can live in a world of of unity consciousness they understand their oneness that they deserve to have that opportunity those who want to continue and live in a world of separation a a fear-based world can can continue that way and and that's fine they can have that experience for as long as they need to in order to uh, to awaken so there's no judgment. He always was saying that to me, no judgment in this, it's just a, a matter of what vibration you're at and wherever you vibrate is where you will go. So um, it's all good, you know, but there's been a lot lot more who have awakened since uh, 1989 when he taught me that. And um, But those who are, at least those who are of the third dimensional vibration, they will go to a third dimensional planet that is one of peace, it's one of peace. And they won't have a body that will thicken and die. It will be, a, it will be a world as, as was intended for third dimensional beings. Not all 3rd dimensional planets are a world of duality like the one that's here. Okay. So yeah.
0: Um, when we spoke on the phone earlier, um, I said um, I was talking about some of my experiences, and I said, "Gosh, you know, these events feel orchestrated." You know, mm-hmm. almost as if a puppet master is pulling the strings. <laughs> and you and I talked about. Potentially, who that puppet master might be?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's our own self. You know, it's our our unity consciousness and our oneness with our higher self, which a lot, I think a lot of us, you know, I've come to the recognition. I think that you know that the, the entity that I refer to as Da, D A, is is probably you know myself, my future self, my higher self, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know i think a lot of us who have these experiences and and re- and wake up enough to them to remember and i never thought i was ever going to go here but i've woken up to the what a lot of the people ahead of me woke up to which is that the greater portion of who they are is actually on the ship or on another planet and you send down a smaller aspect of yourself i call it attention you know there's a small part of my attention that's here on uh, in this body on this planet and that's why i do sometimes start talking and i slip into that into that you earth human kind of thing, you know, kind of separating myself out, and I don't mean to separate myself out because we are ultimately all one, and we are like puppets. We are like we're playing like a. It's like a if, when you look at life from a much higher perspective, you see that we that what's going on here is like a game, and it's very much like a game, and it's it's a holographic universe, and it's just it's just like it's a game, and and our higher selves or those what we call the ETs or whatever you want to call them you know they're watching it they're watching us and they're, they're observing it through us and it is a lot like being a puppet only we have a, we're a puppet that has a certain amount of free will we have some choices we can make always have choices
0: yeah, and the way I say it is, is that like it seems like we're you know a script, you know we're we're right. we're reading from the script and the script has already been written, or know. you know it's or the it's playing out so cleanly as a script sometimes. Like wow, I just it, now that I look back at my life, yeah. it's it's all oh. staged out, you know, one chapter after another, and these lessons oh. that I learned each chapter along the way, and
1: exactly. Wait till you're older. I don't think you're as old as I am. Wait till you're as old as I am, and you can really see it. If the synchronicities. It's just—it's amazing to me. I mean, I feel like I must have sat down. (laughs) You know, I feel like I sat down and scripted it out. Every little detail—I didn't miss a single point. It's all—it's all been lined up perfectly. That's why I don't—I never waste my time worrying. What am I going to worry about? It's been all scripted and taken care of up to this point. Why would I worry that I—that I stopped taking care of? You know, the end. You know, I don't know how it's going to end, um, but I don't worry about that. I'm—you know—going to. Have a terrible kind of an in ending, you know. That I need to worry about anything. It's all it's all laid out, mm-hmm. definitely.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. And as far as like the 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 puppet master being ourselves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I told you this, and I'll repeat it here. I don't think I've spoken about this yet in any of the. This is interesting because I I had a, a few months ago, well maybe just a little over a month ago, I had a uh, past life regression hypnotherapy session. Mm-hmm. Wasn't looking into any of the the. UFO stuff at all. Just basically, I've had these kind of emotional issues, depression and isolation, mm-hmm. and and uh, that I'll go through. And I just like God, I need to deal with this. And I've had a few people along the way say, "Oh, you know, you should do a past life regression thing." And it presented itself. And I met a therapist, uh, and and uh, I said, "Well, I'm going to do it." So um, anyway, the 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 events that the events that unfolded in the hypnotherapy session were extremely... You know, they weren't really that vivid. I would get little snapshots. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, the therapist would ask very simple questions. What's happening now? You know, who is this? What mm-hmm. are you seeing? And then I would answer without any hesitation. And, and uh, I think a few points I got wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think also that the story that emerged was so, like, operatic in its giant... Broad strokes that I have to think that the story that emerged is is not necessarily a real event, but more a metaphoric story right. that was created specifically to force me to examine my own, you know, oh, issues. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'll believe that. I believe that that happens instead of it being a past, actual past life. Yeah, it's it's a story I'm reading a recounting now. Someone, that it's looking like that's what that is that's going on. Interesting. So what did you get out of it? Did you
0: learn? Well, to be quite honestly, I felt great afterwards. Like mm-hmm. in the middle of it, boy, it was funny. So I woke up at the end of it and, and uh, I wrote about all this thing. It would be too much to go into all the details. But, you know, like right in the middle of it, uh, uh, I was, uh, well, you know, in essence, I was beaten blind because of my own arrogance about being an artist. Mm-hmm. So I was, okay. you know, like beaten in a you know, in this is, goes way back, it might have been the turn of the century, the last century, you know, mm-hmm. in somewhere in the British Isles. Uh, and the person who beat me ended up feeling so guilty that they committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I when I said that out loud, there was just I started crying. I must have cried for a half hour. I have mm-hmm. I don't know if I've I haven't cried that hard since infancy, you know, maybe wow. since, and uh and it was incredibly therapeutic and cathartic, and and yeah. uh, and I don't think that I mean it's how do I tell you know do I go back and like you know research you know yeah. I mean I can't old newspaper clippings of who committed suicide in the British Isles in you know yeah. 1910 I don't know how to do any of that so and 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 so I I'm not really concerned in a way because I recognize and this is actually where I I have changed where if I turn the clock back a decade or so I would have been so analytical. Mm-hmm. and such a such a guy about you know wanting mm-hmm. to be uh very very specific and how i research this kind mm-hmm. of stuff and come to conclusions i've loosened up a lot and i'll say that it's almost much more like sort of a more feminine energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh so i don't really care like and you know, like it's, it's a waste of time to, to wonder whether it was is it a real experience or not a real experience
1: exactly you got it yeah exactly it doesn't matter because it but it doesn't matter if it's re- re- what is real what is real we're an idea in the mind of God ultimately that's what we are we're an idea we're not I mean we're an idea what is reality it, it's 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 fluid and that's it's fa- falling away yeah our world is an illusionary world I like to quote Einstein it's an illusionary world albeit a persistent one and it is it's a, this is just an illusionary world and. I think it makes it easier to deal with once you understand that. And and once you believe that and you know it, you see the illusion slipping. You see it falling apart and I feel like I'm living in a world that's just a really bad B movie right now. But oh. that's okay. <laughs> no, well, this was
0: this and it's funny because I used the term opera to describe this this whole yeah. thing because it was so like over the top as far yeah. as, like the themes. But yeah. so and also at the end of all this um uh the hypnotherapist she basically said okay is there anyone else here in the room and I said yes and I said who is it and, it said, and I basically said it's my alien guide it's my alien I don't think I used the term uh, like spirit guide or anything like mm-hmm. that or guardian angel I didn't say anything like that but that was sort of the implication I said, yeah. it's my spirit guide that follows me around I'm yeah. um, talking about you know B movie stuff uh, you yeah. know she asked you know and who is this alien guide and I said it's Quintar and yeah. I just like I literally I don't have a, a recording of it but I'm quite sure mm-hmm. I went ugh, like I <laughs> groaned cuz like oh I that know. sounds so corny. I know. Uh, and and uh and she asked and who is Quintar? And I said I think Quintar is me. Right. Right. So in so and I remember at the time I even wrote a little essay up and, and I said I don't know what that means but for mm-hmm. some reason it has the ring of truth to it so yeah. following your logic just a little while ago of, of like who's the puppet master yeah. you know it's us it is and so if Quentar yeah. is is somehow on some level myself whether a manifestation of myself through you, just exactly what you said you know my higher self my oversoul mm-hmm. my my deepest mm-hmm. self my uh, you know something that has split and is on a divergent timeline something that's from mm-hmm. the future and coming back I don't know but mm-hmm. that's the, when I said, "Quintar is me." Mm-hmm. Uh, that had the ring of truth to it, and I will also right. jump right back in and say, "Like I don't really care," because yeah. the metaphor mm-hmm. is more powerful
2: mm-hmm.
0: than than the. Because if I got all analytical, I would I would, you know, chase my own tail. I would get mm-hmm. into a little flustered frenzy of self doubt, and mm-hmm. and I wouldn't get anywhere.
1: Well, I teach A Course in Miracles and I'm a huge student of The Course in Miracles and I'd love to write a book about um, how The Course in Miracles is so big with the whole ET thing, how it all folds in together and speaks the truth. And The Course in Miracles teaches us that if you start to analyze, that means you're an ego. You're not in alignment with spirit. You're out of alignment with your higher self. You're out of alignment with spirit. You're out of alignment with truth. As soon as you start to analyze, all that is is a diversionary tactic to keep you confused and, and stuck in the illusion. So that played out this last weekend when I told you that some of us went out to to try to initiate, you know, we want to initiate contact with the ETs and I've been directed to, I want to start working on doing that. And so we went out and a little group of us that were there, the only person who, you know, had, was having some trouble was this most analytical person who was in the group. I mean, she just had to question everything. And as soon as she thought she saw something, she said, I wonder if that's what I saw and will it come in closer? I want to see more, make it be more, you know, and, and so she was always asking, looking and asking for proof and she wasn't trusting in what she was seeing and she was analyzing every little thing. And so she came away feeling quite frustrated by it, whereas the rest of us all came away like, whoa. You know, we shared and seen a lot of the same things and experiencing a lot of amazing things. So, yeah, you want to stay away from analyzing,
0: definitely. Well, I like the fact that there's a guy, like, at, you know, in Detroit, analyzing, you know, the best brakes for a car. I like that people sure, are doing it sure. for, for very pragmatic oh. physical things, yeah.
1: Right, right. That's different. Yeah, yeah, that's in the 3D world. That's a different thing. But when it comes to something so esoteric as this... You have to t- go run everything through your heart because your, your mind is going to argue with you your ego is is has an invested interest in keeping you in the lower dimension of fear in the lower vibration
0: and to me, that's where the symbolic comes into play, mm-hmm. and that's where the mythic or the metaphoric comes into play, where mm-hmm. you know you tell a parable and and you're you know you sort of have permission just to look at the deeper hidden truth mm-hmm. it's like poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, someone tells a UFO contact event and then the the nuts and bolts researchers will will get all in a tizzy, Mm -hmm. you know, saying like, well, this doesn't make any sense and this can't be like this and how can an owl be four feet tall and that kind of stuff, you know, know. so... uh, and yes, so, so yes, I'm in a complete in a complete alignment. Now, I have a question that I had actually highlighted, mm-hmm. and uh, you answered it for me. And I just want to press you on on a little bit on this. You, so, my question was, which you answered with you know, uh, without me asking. So, my question would have been: you reference and miracles in your book, uh-huh. and then my next sentence was: do you see this as intertwined at all with this UFO stuff?
1: It it really is for me. It was huge and. I do feel drawn to to actually write a book um, to to go deeper into it because I feel like the Course in Miracles is um, is is going to answer a lot of questions for people as changes happen and 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 this whole planet it goes into fast forward and they're going to look, be starting to look at their belief systems and and they're wondering where what's going what are they going to put underneath them to hold on to to believe in because the world of illusions going to drop away. And so The Course in Miracles, for me, was my saving grace for the whole ET experience. At the end of the day, The Course in Miracles teaches you can't be a victim. Nothing happens to you without your consent. And I wanted so bad to believe that, but it took me a while to to get there because the evidence, when I was analyzing it, showed me that I was a victim. After all, weren't they coming for me? They were dragging me from my bed, from my car, from my backyard, from wherever. And didn't I have the marks on my body to prove it? And certainly, I was a victim, and I I literally clung to it for a while because I, it was the truth, and and it, I was supported by the UFO community in that belief. As soon as I started to look at it differently, and it was presented to me that I was not a victim, I wanted to believe it. You know, I want it felt like somebody had thrown me a life raft that I was that I was drowning, and somebody th- threw out you know something for me to 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 grab hold of. And I wanted to grab hold of it, but I just, I didn't know how, how it would make sense. I didn't, it didn't seem like I could, it seemed like I was grasping at straws, like I was buying into it just to buy into it because it felt good. I needed proof. How do you not be a victim? How is it that this could be happening to me and you tell me I'm not a victim? Well, little by little, the layers peeled away and it was done so beautifully over the course of my life. I I only regret that it took so long, but apparently, you know, I am, um, I'm a hard sell. And it took a long time for me to to accept, but it happened in, I had just miracle after miracle and it was a beautiful thing, the way that it revealed itself to me Um, and it happened as I was writing the book toward the end of the book, because I tell you, when I started out writing that book, it came out of me, those first chapters that I wrote, I was still in the victim mindset. I was, you could tell it if you, if you read it and you, and you read it, you, that's why I think I'm able to take you on the journey as you read through the book, because I believed I was a victim at that point. I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I wasn't. I, I wanted to believe I wasn't, but I couldn't figure out how, how could the story be changed to make it so I wasn't. Toward the end of the book, when I had the, uh, estrangement from my oldest daughter and I was feeling very sad and I, um, you know, I, I I was having a lot of visits from the guys, and I wanted to know. I wanted to know then if I have all these um, hybrid children, where are they, and how many of them do I have, and why can't I see them and meet them? And you know, and they swooped me up and took me off, and I had my reunion with my hybrid children, or uh, a lot, about half of them. And um, it was so real, and there was no doubt in my mind that I had that experience. And that just opened up more questions, and I wanted. Then I said, well. But why? Why, have, why, have, why did I do this? And why, why are you thanking me? And why did this happen? How come I've had so much contact with you? Why are you now every night, every day coming for me? And they pulled back the curtain one day when I was out walking in the desert and, and I saw the whole thing opened up and I remembered volunteering to come here and that I came here. And right away my ego by the time I had walked back to the to the condo, my ego had already said, "Oh yeah, right, Sherry, you came to planet Earth as a high dimensional being to save the planet. Yeah, sure you did." You know, it, it just, you know, you start to did not you start to 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 not believe. At least that's how it worked for me. So what happens next is somebody I sit down to my email and somebody my friend had sent me the um, Dolores Cannon video where she talked about the three waves of volunteers, and I just watched that and I tell you. I just I cried. You talk about crying, and I cried and cried and cried because it validated what I had just been shown, and I knew it was true, and I never doubted it from that mo- moment forward. So, um, the Course in Miracles tied it all together very neatly. It just brought it all around, and I love the Course in Miracles. Love it.
0: Oh, that's interesting because I've I've picked it up a few times and and sort of opened it anywhere, and I know some folks that ha- that um that have uh, been following it and doing it as a, as a course. And, uh, and I remember just like opening up and just like I read some passages, I was just thunderstruck at how beautiful it was. Oh. Um, and, and how, uh, I mean, you, you recognize right away that like, whoa, this, this yeah. came from some other source. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's, I had the same experience in a way. Uh, now, I mean, I've been very, very clear with this, with this, uh, stuff on this Uh, audio podcast series and um in the winter of 92 93 um i had i guess that what would be called a nervous breakdown i had a complete depressive Mm -hmm. emotional Mm -hmm. collapse uh Mm -hmm. couldn't function couldn't get out of bed couldn't talk couldn't eat um it lasted about a month uh uh, it was bad and in essence it was a death and rebirth and I can uh-huh. say quite honestly uh-huh. I would not be here like I like if you have met me before then I mean I was whatever how do I, I don't even know how to describe it I was tense I was uh-huh. very I talked very fast and uh-huh. would kind of would kind of um, spin myself into a corner sometimes with my own you know frenetic uh-huh. energy in a way uh-huh. and afterwards it's not like I was some sort of you know Gandhi or saint or something like that afterwards but I definitely definitely, I prefer the person I am after that event than the mm-hmm. person I was before, let me put it that way so it was crappy to go through but um, I ended up in the aftermath of all that, it was actually some years later, like okay. probably five years later, I stumbled on the book which was interesting because I stumbled on it right when the very first book in the series came out mm-hmm. uh, there's a series of books called Conversations with God by Neil Donald oh. Walsh Oh yeah, I love him, yeah, yeah and I and I and I you know you were just talking about earlier, like you know like this the you know the little multiple pieces of the pie chart and every mm-hmm. little teeny, you know there's all of them are pointing mm-hmm. to the same source in a way, but there's just a different mm-hmm. you know, so I you know in in one sense, I'm like, well, I kind of feel like I got everything I needed from the conversations with God series of books. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, like I would, I would almost feel like um, I don't want to like. So I, I feel like it's like I'm not drawn to follow the Course in Miracles book. I feel like I have, I got what I needed at a very mm-hmm. deep level from from mm-hmm. those books, mm-hmm. and um, and I open them up now and again. And it's interesting because it feels a little bit like, oh, I mean, they're maybe they're not even just a little bit over ten years old now. Some of them, and I I look at them and I'm like, you know, I've I've integrated this, yeah. I've absorbed it, and I and yeah. I feel like. You know, uh, I feel like I recognize how helpful it was and mm-hmm. how wise it was, but I feel like I'm I'm at uh, in a funny way, to be quite honest, doing this research, mm-hmm. which which I even said to you was therapy, self therapy. Doing mm-hmm. this self therapy during this research, digging into the UFO stuff, I'm getting all the. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all the I don't want to say the answers that sounds a little lofty but I'm I'm receiving the therapeutic benefit from doing this research very similar mm-hmm. to when I was was very mm-hmm. entrenched in those those series of books
1: If it whatever works you know I always tell people whatever works I don't beat people over the head with the course of miracles I I know for me that I can't stop reading it I mean I've read the book from cover to cover I don't know how many times and I teach it uh, one night a week and it's the highlight of my week to gather with those people and to remember the truth of who we are and to for, for me every time I open the course up and read, sit down and read it if I'm off kilter that day or if something has happened the answer is there always the answer is there it goes deeper uh, every time I read it it's like a new book It's, I, it's I, it, because it's written in such a way it's like uh, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now which is
0: it's, another book that I read in that same yeah. chapter of my life yeah,
1: yeah. And you can read the book, those books, those kinds of books that are written like that. Rasha's book, Oneness, I think, is a little bit like that. But you, but the Course in Miracles, for sure, is a book that you read, and it totally every time, time you, you peel away a layer, you start all over again. And what do you know? It's a whole new book to you. You go through it, you peel away that layer, you go again, and over and over and over again. I'm, you know, it, it's just amazing to me that how deep it takes you. And so for me, it's been amazing. I'm, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's. Just it it keeps me from from losing it totally. I mean it's hard to be here in this world, and sometimes it's hard, it's just hard, and you see the and you get caught up in the matrix you get you forget the truth of who you are you you get caught up and believe that you are a body, you believe that this stuff that's happening is really real, the economy crash the money the the wars, the all the crap, the the chemtrails, you know, are especially you know, all that. And you start to believe it, you start to think that it's real and you start to, to get down about it. The course keeps me on track. It keeps me remembering the truth of who I am. And anything that can do that for me, I'm grateful for. So
0: in the book uh you talk about uh information that was given to you and the what you refer to it as the three important things to know. Right. And what are those?
1: Yeah, the that was the name of the book initially um, but we changed it but the three important things to know, they started teaching me those when I was really little and the number one most important thing is the lesson of oneness, we are all one with our creator and Da has said it many, many times if only, if only humanity could get that, that's the only thing we really need to know, it would put an end to war, it would put an end to, to poverty, it would put an end to crime it would put an end to Every it, our world would go back to what it initially was created to be if only we would remember our oneness
0: and And that's straight out of i'm i I haven't read mm -hmm. the course in miracles i bet you it's in there but it's also that Mm -hmm. is straight out of um conversations with god
1: okay okay i've got those books and i started reading them i never did get through them um i got this i I don't know what i got distracted by you
0: pulled if you you didn't need them you had your other book yeah so
1: yeah but yeah the oneness lesson is is the biggest that they I mean and they when you're with those guys that's why I always wanted to stay with them I never wanted to leave them because when you're with them you you're aware of that that level of vibration where there's unity consciousness there's everything is about the Creator and they see the Creator in everything and there's reverence and there's reverence for life and there's appreciation for life every little thing there's appreciation for it and there's no judgment Uh, so oneness is huge And so, I mean, I miss being in that state. I definitely miss it. So that's the number one most important thing. The second most important thing they taught me, and they also started teaching me this when I was really little, and it took a long time for me to understand what they were trying to get at. And so that one is we are multidimensional beings existing on more than one level at a time. And so they taught me that, and I didn't understand why that was Important to know that we are multidimensional beings existing on more than one level simultaneously. They it changed all at once to, to simultaneous when I got older, and um, like that would help, you know, <laughs> to make it easier to understand. But um, I understand now because of where we're at. We are integrating. It's kind of like what you and I were talking about with the puppet master thing. We are integrating aspects of ourselves, our lost selves. So we're all. We all have a life stream, a main life stream that um, came out from source. It's referred to in the Course in the Miracles as the Great Rays and we come out as a, as a ray of light from the, from the Creator to play in creation and to experience life in the different dimensions. And so we have an aspect of ourselves that's on lower vibrations than what we are here in this dimension. We have certainly aspects of ourselves which we refer to as our Oversoul or our Higher Self which are um, on levels above us and, and, and vibrating at a higher frequency. We go all the way back to the creator because we are connected to the creator. So we're like a ray, a beam of light that comes out all the way out into the universe, into the multiverse and on that beam of light are all these different aspects of us. And so as we are moving up this ladder of life, we are reintegrating and pulling into alignment all those aspects of ourselves because as we have our life experiences because we are multidimensional, we also have all these different timelines. Every thought we have creates a reality. So we have lots and lots of aspects of ourselves that have broken off and are experiencing other experiences and other timelines. So we're bringing into alignment all of those pieces of ourselves. It's a very hard concept to try to To teach and I don't think I do a very good job of it in the book but I tried but I I have a better understanding of it now so it would probably be easier for me but we bring those aspects back into alignment and we we fold them into our own oneness more or less and then we, we continue on the journey home and we eventually join with other beings of light other rays until we return to source and we return to source and and that's our home and then eventually, you know, we're eternal beings. We come back out again and we have, you know, so so when you, you know, it's always interesting when you experience um, a past life regression, that's why I like the way that you explained it, Mike, because I kind of smile at that because it we're all one and you can tap into any past life that you want, in all honesty. You can tap into one that is like part of that singular life stream that you are riding on right now. But you can also tap into any any life stream. I mean, because we're all one. So we can all tap in and experience another what seems to be another person's life and have that experience as our own because it is our own on on some level, because of our oneness. There's no separation. So anyway, so that's the second most important thing to know. The third most important thing is which is much more functional and useful in this dimension, and that was monitor your thoughts. And they taught me that when I was quite young and that one I got and that was probably the easiest one for me to get to watch and observe my thoughts and to know that they are, that we're able to direct them and control them and keep them on a higher level. And I'm grateful for that because, um, depression uh, runs in my family, um, chronic depression. And I think it's possible that I would have been subject to that had I not learned at an early age to monitor my thoughts and make sure catch myself when I started having negative thoughts and and low vibrational fear thoughts and keep my thoughts high and use them also to create my reality, which is what I did in my business. I used my thoughts to um, draw to me the experiences and the the things that I wanted to have
0: no so you said you you started doing this at a young age
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. now
0: but then you also say that you didn't have any conscious memory of the UFO contact experience until i know i know so how did that seep in did they did how did those how did that how did that lesson get learned if you didn't have the direct interaction somehow or the remembered interaction let me put it that way
1: it's it's an interesting story to try to tell and, and i i what i say is and i use my hands a lot because i say okay so there's different levels to to my awareness it's like the the book, I open up with a story in the book of when I'm eight or nine years old and they took me on the ship up and showed me the planet being destroyed because that was what that was our destiny at that time in 19, 1958 or nine when they showed me that it was Earth's destiny to be destroyed and they wanted me to see that. They, they wanted to remind me of why I was here and what my purpose was, but they couldn't interfere to tell me that it's not allowed, but they could show me our destiny and hoped that I would, you know, be impacted by it. And I was impacted by it. And I had that memory of being on that ship my whole life. I had it. I talked about it. I wouldn't. I refused to go to California. I wouldn't go to California because I was so sure that it was going to drop off into the ocean. When I finally went there with my husband in 1990-something, I I held my breath all the time we were there, and I fought the idea of going there because I I had a fear of being there. I remembered clearly having that shown to me. What did I think it was? I said, it, I would say it was a dream, but it wasn't a dream, I would say. I didn't know what it was. I just knew I had the memory of having seen that. But what, what I, had, I never would have explained it as being on a UFO on a ship, and yet that's exactly what it was. <laughs> what it was I don't know how to explain it, and it's, it's the same thing with these lessons that I was taught. I, I learned them, and I integrated them into my life, but I didn't know where I learned them. I, I think I, if someone would have asked me point blank maybe I have. I don't know if I would have said Sunday school I was taken off to Sunday school but I used to I used to you know ask questions I didn't really believe what I was being taught in Sunday school either so I'm not sure I wouldn't have known where I learned it I would just say it's just one of those things you know just like guilt you know I used to say things like you know why do you feel guilty and the, and my friend would say, well, I did something that, you know, I shouldn't have done, and so I feel guilty about it. And I'd say, well, then why did you do it if you were going to feel guilty if you knew it was wrong? Well, because I wanted to do it. And so then I would say, well, then if you did it in conscious awareness that you wanted to do it, it's a choice that you made, then why do you proceed to make yourself feel bad about it? Why do you, feel, why do you punish yourself? I never understood guilt, and I still don't understand it. It's not something that that I get, And so it's just, it's a kind of a, it's a bleed over from where I came from before. So I have these different things and it depends. I can play in the matrix and I can be just as earthy and human as the next person, but I'm, I have an awareness about me when I do that. If I'm playing at being a human, I'm watching myself from a different level and I'm going, oh, look at that. You know, you know, she's being judgmental. (laughs) <laughs> she's she's playing the game of being human and that's what humans do they judge and they they talk about other humans you know and and uh, but i'm very much aware that what i'm doing is not who i am you know it's playing the game playing a role i had to work at being human yeah so, you know
0: um couple things uh i just and i just wrote this down here the the title of your book forgotten promise mm-hmm and then the title of my blog is hidden experience I can't help but see those as almost (laughs) saying the same thing yeah
1: Yeah. because it is it it relates back to the question you just asked we have a life and it was very disturbing for me we have a life that we've lived that we're just waking up to it I lived my real life was my life with my guys you know the times that I was with them the hours on the ships the times I was with them that was my real life when I would be dropped back off in the book, I talk about how I always go to the mirror and look into the mirror, and look into my eyes and try to remember where was I, you know, where who am I, where was I just now, you know. That's, you know, so that's why we refer. That's why it's a, It's like a secret. It's a. It's there, but it's not there, and we're trying to get. We're trying to grab it, and it's elusive.
0: It is elusive, and that has actually yes. been the whole. It's it's very so. I when I created this blog, it's kind of a funny story. I I feel very strongly. That I'm not exaggerating when I say the blog, the writing that I've been doing and the public writing, let me put it that way uh about my own insecurities and 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 challenges coming to terms with this. the blog like followed my coming to terms with this, so the blog okay. uh initially going starting in March of two thousand and nine up until today, I feel like I'm a little more at peace than I was then, and you you don't have to, you don't have to read between the lines of what i wrote uh initially on the blog i mean you can tell that i'm stressed out yeah. and mixed up but i yeah. i uh i the the uh i i could say this i don't think i'm exaggerating that the blog the 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 blog came about from an outside source I felt yeah. compelled or impelled mm-hmm. from an outside source to create this, and I remember just sitting down. I'm like, "Good grief, I got to think of you know." Because there's a little box, you know, you create your blog. Mm-hmm. There's little boxes. What is the title mm-hmm. of your blog? And I'm yeah. like, "Crap, I got to name it something." I just tick, 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 I just typed in "Hidden Experience," and mm-hmm. it accepted it, and I moved on. And yeah. I never really dwelled on that. I never thought about it. It was almost like hitting the tennis ball back over the net. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, I didn't. I just reacted and just and just, uh, you know, it wasn't. I didn't dwell on it or think about it. So, yes, so, and that has been the, I mean, my sense is that I, something has gone on behind the curtain that I am not fully aware of. I am very cautious about the hypnosis process. Mm -hmm. I'm, well, my thought is I'm going to, I'm going to milk this as much as I can possibly milk it and dig as deep as I can without hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go ahead and, and, and do hypnosis. And then I'm quite certain I know enough about myself that I'd be skeptical of whatever came up anyway.
2: I would probably treat it
0: as metaphoric mm -hmm. rather than literal. Mm -hmm. But but my sense is that something has gone on that I am unaware of behind the curtain.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have that even now. You know, as much awareness as I have and I, I strive and I work toward conscious contact with my guys, I still... The last message I had from them on that subject was that I still needed to open my pineal gland. I still needed to, even all the work they've done with raising my vibration and, and everything is that, you know, I'm still in this, in this fourth dimensional world and it's a world of density and they can't, they can only come down so far to meet me and I there, that's why I, I go, I go at night now. I go in my etheric body, which is something I used to scoff at. I used to, I used to also point and say, you know, I go physically, I go during the day. <laughs> you know, my abductions are real, but now, um, now I realize, you know, to go at night and leave my body behind is a, is a smoother, easier way to do it. And I'm able to just join and, and be there in that realm, in that form. And it works a lot easier for me to do that. But it's, we we do, we have, um. We have other lives that we're living, and we just we don't even have a clue this world that we live in down here on this planet is not the truth of who we are, and what we see and what we're experiencing it's I, again, I'll say it's an illusion, and it's not real. Our real life is, is somewhere else, and we're just not, we're, we're just starting to wake up to it the yeah, but illusion. I'll say that
0: the, that the illusion is so seductive, you know the oh, illusion is. is so like there's uh-huh. so many things. And, you know, you're being pulled in all these directions and what you're supposed to want, what you really want and, right. and you know.
1: Oh yeah, it's very it, it, it's easy to buy into it and it's e- that's why The Course in Miracles isn't important to me because it keeps me on track with remembering the truth. Otherwise this whole uh, subject you know, talking on it the, to the extent that I talk on it and answering emails and questions, it's easy to go a little loopy with it. You know, you can go too far with it. And it can be, it can consume you. It can become too much of your life. And um, every now and then, I have to remember I'm here for the other reason, which is I came yes to be of service, but I also came to experience. I want it to be human. I want it before the third dimensional Earth human fell away and was no more. I wanted to be one of those lucky ones who got to experience it. And so I'm here to experience it. And so back in 1989, when I re-upped and I got my way and I was allowed to stay. They gave me a 20-year reprieve and they said, go be a human and experience it. We're going to watch it through your eyes, but go be a human and, and, and taste it all, sample it all, do it all. And I did, you know, and I had 20 years of just being a human and what a, it was fun. You know, and I just, I, I lived a pretty normal life for 20 years without any contact when it was time back. And then in 2009, when it was time to go to work, you know, then different story. Ooh, ooh, wait a minute.
0: So so two thousand nine, time to go to work, what does that mean?
1: Um, that's when Da when da came back into my life after being gone for um um you know, around twenty years. He showed up in my bedroom that night and and he and I was very calm when he showed up and literally physically there he was sitting on my bed and I said, What do you what are you doing back here? And he said, Well, you know, what What we told you is, you know, don't you remember the earth was going through the changes where those changes have started and there's work to be done. And I said, oh, okay. I, you know, I had forgotten, you know, I was very immersed in my life and the drama of being human. But, and and you know, do you have
0: a date of that, when that happened? Um, I asked for I a reason.
1: A, well, I have a date of when, um, when he sat there and he, I think it, I'd have to go back and look because... I know that people ask the date of, because um, when he when he said to me um, that there's work to be done, and I said, oh, do I get to be a light reader? Because they had taught me to be a light reader, and they had told me um, that I'd be reading, you know, if when this shift happened, when the time came, the split on planet Earth, that I'd be reading people's light and helping them, assist them to decide if they want to stay with the new Earth or go, you know, stay in the third or fourth dimension. And I, so I said, do I get to do the light reading? And he said no that's already happened and I said oh you did that without me I said you did that without me and he said no we didn't do it without you you were there you assisted you just don't remember and I said well when did you do that and people always want to know that date and I and he told me a date and I want to say that it was November 9th of 2009 but I'm not sure of that
0: okay and the reason I ask is because that was it was in March of 2009 that I started the blog and and okay. I found, oh, I found one other person. This gets I found one other person who started the blog the same day, who has his name is also Mike, which is pretty common. And uh, but uh, and he was talking about his own experiences, and he was also born in 1962. Oh, and he had been making oh. <laughs> documentaries about uh, the UFO abduction thing for British television. It's not British television. Wow. Excuse me, Canadian television.
1: Wow. Yeah, I. You know, that's that's funny, I mean that's funny how often that kind of thing happens, isn't it? It that's
0: is, like, it is you know, so it's strange. Like the, yeah.
1: It's like the universe is just like pointing and going, see, see, it's just all synchronicities and it's all, it's, you know, sometimes I think there's so many multidimensional aspects of ourselves, sometimes I think we cross lines with some of them, that might be a case of one of them, you know, it's like a little mini duplicate, but I don't know, it's weird.
0: Hey, um, uh, this is—we've been going at it for two hours now. I'll let, let me just ask a few quick questions here at the end here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so uh, as I proceed forward with all this stuff, I am—I got to be honest. I—I I don't want to cast judgment on. I mean, I—I I sit with people a lot and hear their stories. I hear people who have beautiful, powerful, angelic stories. I hear people who have dark, mm-hmm. creepy, nightmare mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. Uh And I and I and both you know, both uh, sides of that divergent coin I feel these people are being very honest is the way they share it Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say to the people who are having the terribly traumatic and negative UFO experiences
1: well I would say to them that we create our own reality and that I I mean I'm calling back on the Course in Miracles in all honesty but but I'd say it from my own experiences my experiences were very terrifying and fearful to me as long as I was coming from a place of fear myself, which is a place where you don't have understanding. And so if it's a fearful experience it could be because they're in fear and they're projecting that out and so that's what they're getting reflected back to them. Now are there fearful I've had some um, mill labs some some military abductions they they, um, mixed some in with my ET experiences and those definitely have a different flavor to them and they are not they are not good, but I, I don't allow those anymore, just like the men in black. I, I don't allow them. So if your experiences are fearful to you, it's incumbent upon the person to work at raising their own vibration and moving themselves out of fear. Because life in general reflects back to you whatever you put out. So if you're having fearful thoughts and you have fear, you're going to, life is going to be fearful for you. I mean, it just is the way that it works in this world. So they have to find a way to release that fear and and let go of any negativity and try their best to raise their vibration by being heart centered. You raise your vibration by releasing fear and, and living through your heart. And I know that you know th- those people who are having really horrific experiences, what they believe to be, you know, demons and those kinds of experiences are going to laugh at that and say, "Yeah, right." But there is no other advice to give them because there's there is if they're having true ET experiences and they feel very negative. I I just I can't relate to them. I can just say that um, they they will feel feel fearful until they decide that to look at it from a different perspective and it I would say that start reading more positive filling your mind with more positive um, thoughts by reading uplifting things and and more beneficial things maybe studying the Course in Miracles or studying taking a a spiritual path that is and you know one that is to take you toward oneness or enlightenment which is the best way to do it you know I just, and those people who, you know, are on the other end of the spectrum, that's, that's fine, you know, that it's all angelic and great. I would, I would just go back to saying, you know, that's, that's wonderful and that's good, but you know, my guys are just, they're guys, you know, they're guys, they're not angels, they're just, they're high dimensional beings and they're wonderful and they're, they're beings of love, there's no doubt, but the angelic realm is a, is a different realm, I feel, and that's, I've had angels here and I love the angels, um, but um not all ets are you know are angels either in my estimation i mean
0: that's okay my opinion. yeah fair enough yeah. that's a, that's a question i struggle with yeah and i and i um i just you know i i just am very cautious not to blame the know just... folks that are having bad experiences I know, in a way I know. you know what
1: i mean did that sound like i'm not trying to no I, no
0: you did great yeah. you did great and and yeah. cuz i've heard that that answer before and i'm cautious mm-hmm. i i've had this conversation with a friend of mine and her she was she's an abductee um and mm-hmm. her take on it you know is is that some people are just shit out of luck and mm-hmm. and that may or may not be true and i and I kind of oh. when I listen to those stories i'm I'm so empathic like mm-hmm. when I listen to people's stories, I get so drawn in and it's just like I get i like the the their story becomes my world mm-hmm. so when people tell the dark scary stories man, I am right mm-hmm. there with them i I yeah. feel everything. In a very deep, mm-hmm. compassionate way, mm-hmm. and um, so you know, I just, I just, you know, there's there's a kinship that I have with 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 folks who have this experience. So I just want to be very cautious how that yeah, stuff you, gets
1: Yeah, you need to be, yeah, you need to be careful, yeah, that you don't, yeah, that that energy doesn't suck you down, because um, it is, it's, it is fluid, and it will be whatever you expect, and. But the bottom line is you can't, that's why you can't be a victim. You can only be a victim if on some level you consent to it. And if you buy into that victim mentality and the, the evilness of it all, you know, and there are some out there, some people out there, they're they're really preaching some horrible stuff. I hate to see when there's certain, some of these, I won't name the names, but I mean the stories they're telling, I just, I feel so bad for anybody who goes to hear their stories because they come away, you just come away, just, uh, you'd be afraid to turn off the light at night. And I know what that feels like. But you're, you're responsible for your own um, experiences, for your own life. And so you're going to get what you expect and so, you know, whatever you give consent to.
0: Yeah. 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 And hey, so here's the final question I'll give in this and I think I know the answer. And uh, um, So on a scale of one to ten, what is your sense of mission?
1: On a scale of one to ten, what is my sense of mission? How strong is my sense that I'm here on a mission?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, oh. I'm, oh,
1: yeah. How strong? Do, how strongly do I feel that I came here to be of service? Oh, that's that's absolutely without a doubt. That's a ten. Okay,
0: this is a very yeah. interesting. And I ask that question of everyone, mm-hmm. and and most people answer eleven. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's that is a very interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. aspect to this whole thing, I would have to say that Mm -hmm. I'm going to tend to. Like, I get up in the morning and I dig and I dig and I dig and I search and I search and I search and I I try to write as, as, Mm -hmm. as, oh, honestly as I can. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that sense of mission is something that.
1: It's it's you know if you read my book if you read the ending of it where the the I
0: knew the answer you were going to give when I asked the question. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean I've I've I haven't I don't like the word sacrifice. I I would not use that word sacrifice. I know I get emails from people thanking me for my sacrifice, and I understand them using that word, but I would say that it's not been a sacrifice. Um, You know this is you know this is a, a a purposeful life that I've lived, and I'm I'm happy to have lived it, and the. The drama that has played out with my children is an altogether different thing. Those are those are souls that came in to have the experience that they had wanted to have with me as their mother, and and I want to have play out with. I agreed to play that out with them, and so it's all serving a, a, a higher purpose. Da has explained to me what that's all about, and I have peace around that, and so you know my mission, my purpose takes precedence over everything. I mean, if I have to live in a refrigerator box out on the curb, you know, I'll do that if it means I can still continue to do, you know, what I came here to do. Nothing else really has any any level close to being as important as what that is. I mean, what else, as my girlfriend once said, she said, oh, for God's sake, it's our eternal soul, Sherry. <laughs> you know, what else could be more important? So. Well said. Yeah, well awakening said. humanity. Yeah, it's important. Good. Anything you want to share before closing out? No, it's been fun. I've enjoyed talking with you. It's been a different kind of an interview. It is, it's great. I enjoyed and, it. And
0: I was not kidding. I mean, I said this to you when we talked on the phone. I probably repeated it two or three times, but man, this is my therapy. This was... Yeah. this was a, So in essence, I had a great two-hour therapy session. I have to thank you from uh, yeah. my heart. Uh, yeah. I, I gleaned a lot from it in the sense that uh, I found it uh, very uplifting.
1: good. Good. That's what I want. I don't want any fear. I want it to be uplifting, but I don't want it to be painting a rosy picture of unicorns and rainbows either. You know, it it just it's a it's a, a simple, basic story. We need to become heart centered when we're responsible for our own awakening. So everybody needs to to get out there. And now that they've heard it and they know it, there's no reason not to. So
0: it's something that's easier said than done. But I agree. I know. You know I so. know. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Sure. And I also, here, so I will say this. I want to very formally thank your guide uh, for sort of chiming in and answering my questions mm-hmm. there when I was asking about the owl stuff.
1: Yeah, they're good. They're really good on coming through. They came through when I was talking to Mel, too, and he told me he was going to edit out when the when the cloud, that cloud came. <laughs> so funny, and I watched it come. All the other clouds were drifting by, going one direction. This one renegade cloud came straight for me, just right in the shape of a ship. And it's like, oh, it's my guys. You know, and I couldn't help but blurt it out. And, no, I
0: uh, remember that. And in fact, I just, yeah. part of the thing when I, I uh, this morning, I knew we were going to do this and I, I mm-hmm. uh, re-listened to, um, you know, part of that three-hour interview. And I will say that mm-hmm. uh, that is an excellent interview. It's three hours long. It's mm-hmm. uh, on Mel Fabregas's, uh program yeah. called uh, Veritas. Veritas yeah. It is a subscription site so I think presently you can listen to the first hour for free, mm-hmm. and then you are required to do a subscription, which I think is fairly modest if you do a mm-hmm. one-month subscription. So um, that might, and then you can uh, download, you know, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, yeah, so that I actually, and I said this to you earlier. Um, I heard that uh, your your interview, and I must have listened to it. I mean, I, still, I bet you I listened to it. I don't want to say ten times, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: close to ten times.
1: Well, I had a lot of people who listen to it over and over again I had a hard time getting through it one time I don't like to listen to my own stuff but I had one guy who was listening to it and he kept asking more and more questions which I don't mind, you know, at all I mean, that's what I'm here for but, yeah, Mel does a fantastic job just like you did so it's it's interesting, it's very relaxed, you know
0: and, yeah, and I try to make sure that it's funny, sometimes what I'll do and it's almost happening right now is I'll, as I'll say um, like, I'll end the interview early Mm -hmm. and they'll say, oh, I have a few more questions these are my own questions Mm-hmm. and then we'll keep talking, I'll keep recording and it the tone yeah. of the interview changes completely right. when you right. say now the formal interview is over thank you so much for being my guest yeah. and then you say oh quick i got a personal question and then you just <laughs> have a and and it, and that we're kind of doing it now but i that so yeah. i i almost feel like i should just fit that in and just say it halfway through sure. you know so
1: sure cuz it does
0: it does change the nature of 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 someone's the way they present themselves and when they, oh yeah
1: definitely definitely well, otherwise you're kind of guarding a little bit. You don't want to say, like, I was worried I was offending people. I don't want to get preachy. I don't want to get holier than thou. I don't want to be, like, in a state of separation or anything. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, I have friends who are, on the same mission, you know, and, and I love it when they talk I was with one this last week and I love it when he said I came here to do something very important. I don't know what it is yet. I'm not clear on it. Oh God, very, you're quoting me.
0: That I'm keep going. But I mean I feel like I feel like I walk yeah. around with that like that yeah. little tape loop in my head. Yeah.
1: And I love it that he's not apologizing that he's here to do something big. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm glad he doesn't stop and go, I know that sounds egotistical, you know, because I don't want to hear that. You know, the ego doesn't play part. You're, you are here to do something big. You know, we all have a mission. Every every soul on the planet came here to to play a part, To you know, to do their part and to, to do the role they're doing, whether it's positive, negative or otherwise. Uh, you know, or just to participate in the awakening. But everybody has a part to play. So we do have that. All have that sense of having a mission. It's just to what degree have we tapped into it, and how how much are we devoted to to fulfilling it? You know, so it's an individual thing.
0: Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in during the editing process here. Um, the formal uh, interview with Sherry is over, and now what you're listening to is, I guess, the informal part where we're just uh, chatting about a few things. I have cleaned this up. I did edit out a few points. Uh, Nothing really that much different than what we had talked about uh, in the main part of the interview, just uh, some things that involved people who have not given their permission to be uh, talked about publicly. So I have cleaned that up, and I have snipped that out, and I'm putting in a little audio tone so you know where, uh, where the editing has happened. Uh, if things sound a little bit disjointed, that is because uh, just some has some stuff has been snipped out, and you'll hear that uh, with a little audio tone. Here we go.
1: It's a it's a tough one. Um, my significant other, uh, who came into my life, uh, we just had our two-year anniversary in July, and he, he came into this totally just like me. He's a Capricorn, and he's very political, involved in politics, and very left-brained, and you know, didn't discount the fact that there are probably UFOs and probably life out there, but never thought much beyond that. So I had to break it to him that I had this book being published, and and um, it was pretty tough. And he disappeared on me for a few days. Uh, it was early in our relationship, and then, um, much to his credit, he he sent me an email then, and he said, "You know, I think I've been thinking about this, and what right do I have to say that what your experiences are not real?" And I think that you can teach me things I don't even know I don't know, <laughs> and I love that. And so he, he came back into my life, and he got firsthand experiences. They really did a good job of indoctrinating him. It's on my blog. Um, you know, he saw the, he'd see them in the room. He saw the ship one night. He thought oh, that was hilarious. The night he saw the ship, he thought it was my neighbors with really bright lights. And um, and little by little, and finally he asked if he could meet them, and I uh, gave his standard pat response, which was, um, not now, perhaps later. And, uh, but then they did pick him up a couple months later and they did what they called an indoctrination with him. And he's had his own encounters ever since that he's being picked up by the Draconians. His group is the, Drac- the Draconians, which surprises me. And
0: Draconians but- are, I, I would be the... The reptilians. Oh, the reptilians! It's okay, it's a facet true. of the. Rep- okay, a that's facet. the Draco, the dragon in the in the sky. Yeah. Though, so.
1: Yeah, and they look entirely they look entirely different, and they, you know, they they showed me um, the night they picked them up, and and I and I was like, holy crap, that's not my guys. You know, and, and like what that happened have I I've gotten him into now he's in with this group, but uh, you know, stopped by and he explained to me and he said, I, why do you why do you judge that, you know? But um so he's having his own encounters and he was so excited about it because I mean it is, it's something it's so earth shake. I mean, it's just when you have it, I mean it just rocks your world. I mean, I, I found myself sitting at that computer hammering away, and I'm going, what the hell am I writing? I don't, you know, I never, and I was writing the book. I was like on page three, which I have that in the book. And so I was like, no, 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 I'm not writing a book about this. I, first of all, I don't know enough to even make a book, but second of all, you know, I don't. I don't want to go public with this. And, you know, and I heard the voice tell me, yes, you will, and yes, this is going to be a book. So it, it came out of me, and I was fascinated enough by it. Every day I would sit down. I couldn't wait to do it. It just came out, and my memories opened up as I, ro- as I wrote or as it came through me. And every day I would read it. Sometimes I'd type, and then I'd go back and I'd read it. I'd be like, wow, this is interesting. So this is what that meant. And so the book was finished and I was like, that was interesting. Now I'm going to just, I'm going to you know, put it together on the shelf and file it away. And my grand, grandkids and great grandkids someday can read it. And, you know, maybe when we have ET contact, I'll see, you know, and I got the message, no, 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 it's gotta be published. And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm not publishing it. Well, they pulled out the big guns. Um, you know, I was, I was digging in my heels. I said, I'm not, I don't know how to get a book published. It's not good enough to be published. It's not interesting enough. They said it needs to be published. Well, I go to a guy who does Reiki. And he, when he works on me, he always tells me that there's angels and I have a lot of ETs that come in and, and he tells me how much they send my love and how appreciative they are. Well, I went to him and he gave me the message. He said, you'll never guess who came by today. He said, when I was working on you, he said, the room was filled with angels and ETs. And he said, one of the angels was Archangel Gabrielle. And he said, she has a message for you. And the message is, that book is to be published and don't worry about it, just do it. And I said, oh my God. And she said, you're an ambassador for the Galactics. And I was like, oh, I said, Will, do you know what this is going to do to my life, if that's true? So I went home and I I Googled how to publish a book. I Googled how to do a, a book um, proposal. And so I kind of slammed it together. I mean, I was like, don't have time to do this and I don't want to do this. And so I just put it together very grudgingly. And I, and then I got a book and it told me, you know, I, it just fell into place. I sent it off to six different publishers and, um, I heard from one almost immediately who said they wanted it. So I went with them and, um, he was my first publisher and he was guiding me. And then I got word that I was supposed to go with, Dil- with Dolores Cannon. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to make that happen? Well, what do you know? She calls me and she says, I want your book. And so I, I pulled out of the other publisher, went with Dolores Cannon. The guy released me. I couldn't believe he did. He was a sweetheart of a guy, and um, it's all being guided by the guys. You know, it's it's out of my hands. I I could have never guessed that something like that would happen. That that book would get published it just blows me away. We that's just unreal.
0: Well, great. Um, I'll let you go. This has been a wonderful afternoon.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Mike.
0: Okay, talk to you soon.
1: Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye.
0: Hi, this is Mike again. I am chiming in here at the conclusion of the uh, entire interview. I uh, I just wanted to say that um, at the very beginning I kind of uh, called Sherry's uh, 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 her message I guess I, I refer to it as New Age, and I, you know that's as good a term as any I guess uh, that seems fair. I I said this earlier I guess I'm going to repeat myself here. Um, you know she's a really strong spokesperson for this for this uh, massive strangeness that surrounds. This UFO abduction weirdness. And her message is is quite powerful. I will say that I have heard that message or a message very close to it in one form or another over and over and over and over and over as I do this research and as I talk to people with these experiences. Uh, What I will say also is that I have talked to people with very divergent messages. Uh, They are just as forthright and they are just as convinced uh of the of the reality of their own conclusion and i'll say that you know very often these conclusions come about because the aliens the little aliens will tell them all this stuff so something is taking place where there's divergent messages emerging uh i i I don't quite know what to make of it i try very hard to be agnostic in the face of all of this uh, divergent uh, information, you know. But that said, you know, I, I have a want, you know, in, inside me. That's different than knowing. Uh, that's different than you know being uh, convinced of something, which I'm not. But I do have a want inside me, and that want would be that uh, that that the story, the reality, is what Sherry describes. This benevolent force. Somehow, beyond the veil, trying to influence humanity in a in a positive way, and that there's somewhere down the vanishing point of, of our timeline is a uh, a better future for all of us uh, that I could uh, I can get behind that, though I still remain agnostic. I don't actually know what's going on. I certainly sense <laughs> some things going on, but that's different than actually knowing. Uh, I had a delightful time with her. Uh, I am very impressed with her book, and I encourage folks to seek out more information on her and then to to pick up her book. I, I thought it was, uh, as far as a first-person narrative written by a UFO abductee, this is one of the good ones. Uh, there's a lot of books out there that are poorly written, but written from a s- place of deep personal passion. Uh, this this is uh, has both. It is well-written and it is written from a place of first-person passion. So uh, it makes for a very powerful uh, narrative. All that said, if you've made it this far... Thank you so much. Bye now.